Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 291. I am Peter and joining me as always, also with his arms folded exactly like me, because we're mm-hmm. brothers from different continents. It's Matt. There you go. I thought you were going to try to go with Orion, but nothing around the continent. So. <laughs> Constant? <laughs> uh, sure. Close enough. Thought I had, hey, what's up? Thought I had worked that into the, the rhyme, but you know. Uh, Connor's also here. Yeah, my arms are not crossed. Well, you can cross your arms. You physically can't do it right now. I mean, I can. Just, it would hurt. Yo. <laughs> what would happen if you cross your arms? It would be immensely painful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a DC Comics podcast. We get together, we talk about the DC Comics we read this week. Coming up on this week's show, we have Detective Comics 1051, Batman 120, Dark Knights of Steel issue 4, Justice League Incarnate issue 4, Monkey Prince issue 1, Arkham City, The Order of the World issue 5, and then we have a quite a week, so both me and Connor have got Patreon books to do this week too. So Connor's going to talk about Undiscovered Country issue 18, and I'll be uh, giving some thoughts on Animal Man issue 16. Yeah. So there you go. That is uh, that is the plan for the week. There's a teensy bit of news and uh, whatever else is going on. So it's good. Substack. Substack is what's going on, apparently. Oh, I don't <laughs> after, have that. After our discussion last week. I don't have that. That doesn't seem DC related, so I... It's not particularly other than some DC creators. It was just, it was funny that it was last episode we were talking about it, right? Uh, I think it was two ago. Yeah, maybe, two ago. yeah maybe two weeks ago, yeah. Uh, I could remember then there was obviously the, just this past week, the big, the second wave of announcements. Was well, all that's, this is becoming yeah. a trend. It's just when something seems dead and we call it dead on the show. Uh, it'll no, no, be no. Week- you call it dead. Weeks later, they'll, they'll, you know, because Black Label, that seems pretty dead. A couple of weeks later, here's 10 Black Label books announced. Uh, Substack thing. Oh, there's nothing to going on with that. Oh, week later, tears. You know, five bits of news. I don't know. I'm still not going to get Substack. I don't care. <laughs> but... Oh, that's fair. They haven't swayed me yet, but uh, yeah. I read some good comics from it this week. Yeah, looking forward to some more. And surprisingly, I enjoyed a Tom King comic from one. Well, wonders never cease. I know. He'll read a Tom King romance comic, but he won't read Human Target. I don't. Uh, no, whoa, 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 whoa! I did read Human Target. I read issue one to try it. I just didn't enjoy it. <sighs> I, I didn't read issue two. This also it, it was free. I thought eh, it's free. I'll try it. Yes, yeah, so that's just two and three of Human Target. Just two of the best issues we've had uh, in the last couple of months. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, Substack things were were happening. I don't know if did anything else exciting happen this week. I don't know. Just in general. Not that I'm aware of. No? Comics related still? If we're talking about wrestling, there was a really banger of a match on Dynamite. Oh, there was. No, I agree. Uh, uh, Other than that, it's been pretty uneventful. Uh, On my uh, side. There was was Star Wars discourse on Twitter. Oh, God, no. There's always Star Wars discourse on Twitter. (laughs) Let me just lay this out here now is... I've, I I like Star Wars. Some would say I love Star Wars. You know, I went to Galaxy's Edge. I have a lightsaber. All sorts of stuff. I am tired of Star Wars Twitter. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I am close to to muting it all. Oh, yeah. And and you know, we we might disagree. I think our friend, well, my friend, I don't know, I include you guys. Uh, Alden has some very great takes. However, 
I I can't take the discourse anymore. Yeah. Like let yeah. let stuff if you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to defend everything. And on the converse, not everything they do is terrible. Like I just want some nuance. And if you don't like Book of Boba Fett and you have valid reasons, cool. But uh, I, I'm I just, just done. Uh, I should probably say, Pete, do you remember you, you watched the first episode for a review and you weren't you didn't <clears> hate it, but you, you didn't love it. Uh-huh. Yes. And I then recall. the second the second episode came out and I said, Oh, the stuff you said you liked, it did more of. You might be interested in checking out more of it at some point. Mm-hmm. I take that back. Don't touch it. <laughs> you, you you will despise it with a burning passion. Yeah. <laughs> it's very... you, you might like the first four like you know, the up to episode four. You, you might enjoy that stuff. And then episode five will hit and you will despise it. And you might go, Oh, well, it was an episode. You'll go you'll back to episode six thinking, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's only yeah, seven episodes. It's... You'll come back. And then you will despise episode six even more. It, it is what Star Wars on TV has been since Clone Wars, right? It's tapestry storytelling. Um, and and that's fine, except when it seems like there was none of that for four episodes. It's it's a significantly more egregious in this yes. example than, yeah, than yeah, yeah. others. Yeah. This, this is, I so, mean, to tie it back into comics, this is sounding a little bit, oh, I like this Marvel book. Oh, it's tying into a bunch of crossovers now. now I... Well, no, because at least with this, you don't need to. Like, like Ash... A certain character shows up in this episode, and I'll let people, I don't want to spoil, no idea who this character is, but automatically understood what they were about just because of... I'm assuming this is the character in the back half. Yes, 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 yes. That stuff, I I, I mean, that works fine whether you've encountered that character before or not. It's cool, because that happens to be one of my favorite characters, but irrelevant. It it works from the the, the visual Western angle that they went with on that. Mm -hmm. So that works fine. Right, so, you know... but yeah, so um, but yeah, it's just if it, it basically, I feel if you don't like Star Wars, then maybe stay away from from the Mandalorian at this point because it is Star Wars a TV show, as far as I'm I'm concerned. Book about Fett, Mandalorian, all of them are kind of one and the same. Yeah, um, that's kind of where my problem is because I don't mind yeah. if if they just called it the Star Wars show, right? Like, you know, and and each season just had a different like subtitle name. Mm-hmm. Would have significantly less problems. Kind of, kind of what it's been since Clone Wars, Star Wars show, Clone, Clone Wars, Star Wars show, Rebels. But at least like Star Wars it, in Rebels, they brought yeah. in characters from Clone Wars, but the, you know mm-hmm. our core characters were still there, and it was always right. still focused around them. Right. This just kind of derailed into other stuff entirely that was nothing yeah, to do with this show. It took a hard left turn, and not was, in a weird storytelling way, in just it, a in a way that you know. objectively, like from a. An episode of just Star Wars content mm-hmm. and ideas I like. Mm-hmm. As an episode of Book of Boba Fett, specifically this TV yeah. show that they sold as, hey, it's yeah. a Boba Fett TV show. Come and get your, your seven-episode se- season. Mm-hmm. D- do not enjoy it as that. Yeah, no, I get it. But yeah, uh, as far as the discourse online goes, like everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm just, I'm tired of the bipolar aspects of it. It's either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. And I'm just and like... if you didn't understand, if you didn't enjoy it, you just don't understand it. Right. And if you did understand it, you're a nerd because you like everything that they put out. And it's like, I'm just, I'm over yeah. it, man. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Twitter is rough right now. It's terrible. And then on top of that, the other one that I noticed was something Connor shared out was some some critic from The New Yorker, which I don't know if this was a real post or not. I can't tell. But basically saying that if you like La La Land and Dune, because those movies are very common, they're basically the same thing. You have soft taste. And I I don't understand what that means. And art is meant to be subjective. 
I, I believe um, the rest of the tweet was, uh, and uh, you just don't understand art or something to that effect. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, yeah, that that was a uh, a hell of a take to throw out there, right? But no, yeah. no context. There's no follow up as far as I I saw. It says um, uh, if you if you like both Dune and La La Land, you have soft taste. Really, if you like either, both means you've lost the plot of what actual art, even bad art, might be. And 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 I look at I look at me and like I didn't see Dune, but I love La La Land. I look at. At Pete, who I don't think disliked La La Land, but it's definitely not for him, but he liked Dune. And then you have Connor that likes both. So wh where did we all lose I mean, the plot? I, I didn't love Dune. Like, I like how it looks. Right. I think the, you, the story's a bit, eh, whatever. On on the scale of like versus dislike, right, you, you'd be more on the like side. I mean, I like him more than La La Land. I'm not saying versus La La Land. But but saying... Would, you, would you say that La La Land is not art? Not even bad art, you know. Even if you think it's bad art, I mean, I I would say La La Land is Hollywood jerking itself off because it loves to make movies about how great Hollywood is. But I you wouldn't know, the, I, the, the, the talent behind it. Oh, I wouldn't say that's not art. I mean, I'm just right. that, that's the general feeling I got is that people in Hollywood love to glamorize Hollywood, and that's what that movie is. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh. But I mean, I don't. As far as saying things are and aren't art, I, I I try not to make that distinction. Typically, even Birdemic is freaking art in a sense. Admittedly, right. the it's... room, <laughs> the, the room found a whole second life off of people poking fun at it. But I think that was its know, first life, to be honest. Well, right. I mean, uh, its first life was as it was being filmed, you know. <laughs> so and it became its own monster. But like, you know, yeah, it's just a weird week for online discourse. I just I want to tap out. I just yeah. shut it off every night, and the, the the Winter Olympics started up. Yeah. So I I just shut up at one a.m. my time. The curling huh. starts, and that's it. I'm done for the night. I I've just got all stuff. I've got Star Wars muted. I've got Boba Fett muted. Mm -hmm. I got uh, various versions of those things muted. Uh, Actually, because I went to mute because when Boba Fett was starting up, and people were mm -hmm. there was a lot of Boba Fett talk around. So Star Wars as a muted term wasn't covering everything because people were just saying right. Boba Fett. I was like, oh, I need to go mute this, and I went to mute it, and I, f I, I discovered that I still had because there's no reason to ever take them off. But back when the movie was just out, I'd muted Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker, <laughs> <laughs> variations of thereabouts. I, I would yeah. say feelings on those movies aside. Yes, because that's irrelevant to my point here. You pretty made a good choice, mutant Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> in terms yeah. of the Twitter discourse, kind of having just been there. Yeah. To be fair, Rise of still going. I mean, Rise of Skywalker is probably the most united we've all been on a Star Wars piece of media in yeah. quite some time. Probably is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but so yeah, that, no, that's smart. what I'd argue is not art. That that's a factory produced Big Mac. That's what that is. That was a committee uh, in a room. I, I think that's the, that's the difference here between like yeah. between like uh, Dune and La La Land. They're, they're definitely someone's vision. If, we, if we're going to accuse something of not being art, I would say Star Wars and Marvel. And I'm not saying all Star Wars and Marvel, but I'm saying right. if you're going to accuse something of not being art, I feel like modern Star Wars and Marvel stuff being churned out is the stuff that's the least like art well, of and Hollywood. This, and here's here's the thing though: even something like a Jackson Pollock is art, right? If you want, if you want to look at you know, fine art, right? Because someone will find something in it, so that's what this whole is it art thing. It just it's it's reductive. Like there's no, you know, I just I don't get it. Um, not that I'm defending Rise of Skywalker's art, but <laughs> I, I I do like that first act until the Chewbacca incident. 
happens and then no, 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 no. See, the me. opening textural said somehow Palpatine returned, and that was it. That was it over. I, 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 I still feel there should be an edit that kind of put, puts in. And if you want to know more, go check out Fortnite because yeah. that's where your answer was. <laughs> For real? Yeah, yeah, it was an event in Fortnite. Yeah. Oh my god. It's all about it's synergy, good. Matt. It's all about marketing deals and synergy, and you got to. Keep your, your fingers in all the pies at all times. Uh, uh, for, for the record, I never played it because I played Fortnite. I don't know what exactly was in it. I just know it was to do with the message being broadcast and you know the, the, the you know the the message that is in the uh, the opening crawl that's kind of set mm. that up. So I, I assume that explained some of it. But yeah, it was in Fortnite. That's why right. this is based on something that was said a little bit ago uh, about you know if you if you get if you don't get it. You don't. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, you don't understand it. And if you do get it and like it, then it means you're an nerd because you know too much. I, I, I often bring up David Lynch when it comes to these things because I think it's an interesting lens to view this through. It, this, this is how David Lynch stuff works: is you either don't get it because you you don't like it, right, and mm-hmm. that's whatever, or, or, or you do like it but you still don't get it, right. but you, you yeah, love the feeling was, of not getting it. I wasn't <laughs> like, sure if that was going to be your point or not, and I, did, I was like, I'm, I'm I, ready to, not, to add that onto the right, end. As not, the yeah, not, not get it, it's part of the, the love. I, I don't get a lot of his stuff, but still yeah. compelled. It's I, the, I talk uh, a lot of shit about David Lynch, but I will never forget Blue Velvet. Like, hey, hey, you know? one thing will never be debated, is, is David Lynch material art or not? If no, there's, the, uh, there's nothing the, more the artistic from, um, <laughs> than David Lynch. The gift from Knives Out like, baffles yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but yeah, so uh, pretty, you know, outside of MJF versus Punk, which might have been the highlight of my week, um, whole, whole lot of nothing. Well, I'm not going to say much about it because uh, yep. the review won't be out for a little bit, but I did go see Moonfall yesterday, so that was a thing. Ooh, I went and saw Jackass 4. Very, very similar movies. Uh, do you know what? I'm not even going to spoil my opinion on Moonfall, yeah. but I still think I made the better choice. <laughs> no, I, uh, I have not laughed that, and I get it. Taste, taste notwithstanding, I have not laughed that hard in a movie. Is, is that because internally you are still a 12 year old boy, Matt? Oh, I'm yeah, always. That's my favorite Teddy that Roosevelt. Is the for Jackass, right? Yeah. Uh, the uh, my favorite Teddy Roosevelt quote of all time was someone in his cabinet making the note is never forget the president is always a 13 year old boy. Um, this is a man that held the highest office in the United oh, States. Teddy Roosevelt later. Hey, here we go. And uh, yeah, I mean, I my side still hurt from, from certain things. It's you know straight up uh, Three Stooges esque comedy in some parts. Other parts make you watch between your eyes because it's just nasty. But um, yeah, That's the most I, memorable stuff usually in Jackass, right? Yeah, right. So, but uh, yeah, and I I, I watched. Uh, not marathon them, but over the last couple of weeks, revisiting some of the stuff. Certain I things hold up. I haven't seen so them in probably, I don't know, close to a decade. Yeah, I mean that's when the last one came out. So maybe early, early in in university when you know you're laying a house share. Yeah. They probably got watched drunk one night. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh yeah, Moonfall, very exciting, Pete. Yeah. Mm. It's uh, roll it, Emmerich. <laughs> He tried to weigh in on, on Marvel movies and Star Wars, and it did not <laughs> go well. Joe, 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 the sad part is, is that if it, essentially the statement he's making, I agree with, but he is not the person to be making that <laughs> statement. Making it, <laughs> it's Joe, it kind of undermines like, it coming from like, him. I, I did not like, uh, to, for the record, I did not like uh, 
for the most part, Captain... No, no, sorry. Uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon, right? Falcon and Winter Soldier, whatever that was called. Okay. Right? But right. there's that one line. He's out of line, but he's right. That That's right. that's this moment. He's out of line, right. <laughs> but he's right. Yeah. I just thought that's hilarious. I mean... And, at least he knows what his movies are, though, right? Like, it's never not... A Roland Emmerich movie. Uh, but that's the, that's the thing, but though. That's the thing. He's accusing the other things of, be, right. of not being what they are. Right? I, I, right. Saw, I saw Moonfall yesterday, and Jesus Christ, that man is still making the exact same movie that he was making in the mid-90s. It is Good to know. absurd. I mean, it looked like it, <laughs> right? <laughs> it did. I, I, I don't know if you really should have expected anything else based off of well, the trailer. No, I didn't. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see it. Tara said, no, we're doing this on Ace, go see Moonfall. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Joe, uh, uh, James was so excited to see it. He was telling me last week, he's like, I booked my ticket for the weekend. I'm going to go see it on the big, you know, the big screen. <laughs> I booked it on the, whatever the time slot for the biggest screen was. <laughs> he was like, so excited. I'm like, why? He goes, looks like fun. <laughs> Let's see, which of his movies? Well, some of these just really stand out as not, not him, but the other ones definitely... He's got, a, him. he's got a couple of weird things that don't seem like him, but for the most part, yeah. he's done the same thing for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, but Anonymous, years. which was this Shakespeare's Not Shakespeare movie. Yeah, that one, yeah. It wedged in between 2012 and White House Down. <laughs> yeah, even White House Down feels not him, because that's more of a diehard knockoff. Yeah. So but, Everyone's got one in them. Yeah, yeah. apparently. It's like wow, everyone's got one Batman story. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a diehard knockoff. Sometimes it's both at the same time. <laughs> it's a malleable a- uh, concept. Mm. That's it. I got I got the Batman trailer on the big screen, and we we went with my sister in law oh, and brother in law. I wish night. I get the Batman trailer. Jesus Christ! I yeah. I got two Channing Tatum trailers. Two. This, this let tells me, let you a lot dog. about what cinemas think. The audience who who see Jackass is. <laughs> I I got two Channing Tatum trailers. One was the him and the dog, where he's like befriending yep. this and old then, army dog. And then Lost City. Uh, yeah, there's this the crappy romantic comedy. We're we're just gonna pretend that Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock are still in their thirties when they're both like in their mid fifties for I some reason. It. it looks it looks so bad and it, but because there's a lost city in ruins in a jungle, I have to see it. Of what course the hell is this movie? I, I, I'm, so I'm it's it's basically romancing the stone. Yeah. Um Connor, but um Sandra Bullock's a writer. Uh Daniel Radcliffe comes and recruits her to find an actual lost city since she's so knowledgeable from writing her really bad paperback uh, romance books. Uh, it's a stupid and, movie logic. And, and Channing Tatum's essentially Fabio, who's the cover model, who, you know, really wants to be with Sandra Bullock, so he goes to save her. It, it um, sounds like, just like a Dan Brown movie, just with the... Yeah, uh, kind of, right? But much, yeah, much, looks... much more lighthearted, though, than... Yeah. You know, and I've never seen a Dan Brown movie. I'm just going off trailers for Dan Brown movies versus yeah. a trailer for this. Um... You know, but we, we got the Batman trailer, and my, my sister-in-law, uh, who is not as dialed into pop culture, that's not Disney, went, oh, another Batman? When did this happen? And I was like, oh, so this is what it's like to be to not be dialed in. Hmm. Uh, you know? She's seen Encanto 14 times, but didn't realize the Batman's coming out. Yeah. Um, every time, um, I, I mean, I've never been that much, but every time I've went to the theater... Uh, since I started going back again, every single time I've got the trailer for the Uncharted movie, and like it's just like a sick joke at this point. I've, I've still not seen that trailer, and I'm like, in my head, I don't, want, I just don't want to see this trailer because in my head right now, that movie just doesn't exist. It's just a funny yeah. joke still that, that that gets shared. I out. can't believe it's coming out here in like two weeks. Is it actually? Like, yeah. 
Is that very different from anywhere else? Well, no, I just I didn't know if we were getting it at the same oh, time. Yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize it was that close. Yes, yeah, so uh, February eleventh here. Yeah, we get we get uh, it that's this you. week. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, February eighteenth here. Yeah, so it's in two weeks. So so. We we got we got a week of it before you. Yep. Oh yippee! I'll make use of that. Yeah. I mean, you, feel free to not spoil. Uncharted like is... some of your favorite games. You, you you should be brushing there for the midnight launch. The cast Mark Wahlberg is Victor Sullivan. I am giving it nothing. You are going to give it. Three tickets. No, I'm not. It's got nothing from me. <laughs> One for each Uncharted movie. He's horribly miscast. They, they even put on a goddamn mustache for the part. He's just playing Mark Wahlberg. It is infuriating. Oh, I got the trailer for the movie where Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage. Oh, I've seen Which that one? trailer. <laughs> oh that's, my god, that's, I can't that's all wait. The unbearable weight of being or something it's called yeah unbridled creative or something like that unbridled talent yeah basically uh some rich guy invites nicholas cage out for a million dollars to like come hang out with him and they end up under attackers but he's just he's just playing himself so there's lots of jokes about how he's nick cage uh Uh, okay when when i say is nicholas cage being nicholas cage i just assumed he meant you know like normal no 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 not literally no he's playing himself yes he's playing himself um, like he sees a, like a really bad wax model of himself in this guy's museum and goes, this? This, this thing's hideous. Can I have it? <laughs> yeah. uh, Do you think yeah. they scripted it for him or they just, just went, just, just go on? 100% they had to have because he, they even talk about his money troubles. Yeah, sure. Uh, and that's why I, he has to take this job to go hang out with this rich guy. I feel so. like I feel like Nick Cage strikes me as a little more self-aware compared to mm-hmm. perhaps some other mm-hmm. deleted your jokes <laughs> yeah I, I think he's very aware he does a lot of bad movies but yes. they pay so yes and that's it well that's that's the old michael kane line right for jaws 4 yeah. i haven't yes. I, I haven't seen the movie but i see the pool that paid for it i saw the movie for the first time not that long ago and uh, i still that's the only jaws movie i still have yet to see it's uh time for you to fix that map I threaten it every year and I never get around to it. I mean, it's literally a shark coming for revenge because they killed the shark in the first movie. It's, uh... That's how sharks work, isn't it? Uh, well, the sub- yeah. there was, apparently there was a subplot from the script to the book, if, it, if there was a book even for this one, that explained that it was something to do with voodoo or something, but that's not in the movie. So it just it's never explained that the shark is smart enough to track them down. <laughs> that's in a shark movie. I don't know which shark movie I've seen that in, but it's in a shark movie. It's not a Jaws movie, though, because I watched all four no. of them. Yeah. Recently. It's one I've seen in the last you know, handful of years. So mm. definitely, definitely had some sort of magical aspect. Maybe, maybe it wasn't voodoo exactly, but it was something mm. along those lines. I mean, you got Jaws, you got Deep Blue Sea, you got maybe the Shallows. After that, you could probably just cop out and <laughs> not watch anymore. I don't know if there's any other. That's, good not, ones. that's not enough shark movies. <laughs> what the so, Meg? I saw the Meg. It didn't do much for me. Yeah, not not I'll once say- did. Did Statham try to punch a shark? <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good movie, but I mean, on the scale of shark movies, it's still in the upper tier. I mean, sure, it's better than Sharknado, and it's better than the Jaws sequels. Well, three and four, at least. Yeah. Jaws 2 has that one hilarious scene where the woman in the boat, like, basically sets herself on fire, and it is amazing and hilarious. And I know it doesn't sound hilarious, but it is hilarious when you see it. Yeah. The movie's quite dull for long stretches in the middle, but that scene is worth watching the movie for. <laughs> It's 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 a it's a comedy of errors. That there's a shark happened. To, I mean, the shark's trying to eat her, but other than that, it's just a comedy of errors. 
<laughs> so, uh, yes. Um, all right, I guess we're getting to things then. Uh, there's always time, everyone, for a top ten. Can't we solve the top ten, that is. You sure we didn't eat up all the time with the, the shark movie talk? We did not, no. There's always time. Don't you understand? It's in the title. Uh, Jesus so Lewis, my head is like a shark's fin. <laughs> is it Batman? It is Batman, issue 120. Yeah. It's number one. I'm guessing there was no big X Men title this week. Easy peasy. Uh, X Lives. I don't um, know. We'll, we'll see if they pop up in the top 10. But, uh, new Sabretooth book. What? Number two is Amazing Spider Man, issue 88. Number three is Star Wars The High Republic, issue 14. Number four. That's impressively high. Is Dark Knights of Steel issue four? Number five is Detective Comics one thousand fifty one, which is up one from the last two weeks. Yeah, where it was a number six. So it's, it's been it's been hovering the same place, which is good. It's consistent. Uh, then you got X Lives of Wolverine at number six. That's issue two, and then number seven is Alien issue nine. Number eight is Sabretooth issue one. That's a mini series, and then number nine is. Star Wars Crimson Rain issue two. So yeah, that's the thing. That's gotta be what the the tie into the crime stuff, right? Yeah, there's, it's kind of spinning out of events, I believe. So obviously, I'm a bit behind someone. Yeah. Right, but it's spinning out of events of the uh, Bounty Hunter War stuff, which reintroduced mm-hmm. Crimson Rain, which uh, for people aren't familiar, the crime syndicate that are you know uh, behind things in Solo. Gotcha. And then number ten. Know, yeah, that's Crimson oh. Dawn, right? Is... Yeah, but Crim- yeah, Crimson Rain's yeah. the the you know the, the kind of the event. event tile. Gotcha. Well, it's, it's by Soul, so mm-hmm. it's yeah. And features a character that you you enjoy, Matt. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I'll get caught up eventually, maybe. Number... Instead of reading more Flash, you'd be fine. Number ten is Daredevil: Women Without Fear, issue two. So. There you go. Uh, just like Incarnate just misses the top 10 at number 11. Uh, wonder what that was. Um, Suicide Squad's a bit down. Monkey Prince did make the first page as of right oh, now, good. so that's not too bad. Because, I mean, that's always going to be a lower selling book. There's no one's got any delusions yeah. of huge yeah, but, like, but... Uh, Arkham City, I imagine, is fairly low. Issue 5 of a 6-issue mini that wasn't, like, you know, huge. It was kind of niche, yeah, to begin with. It was, it was still at the top of page 2, so it's not, like, Super yeah. bright. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like Monkey Prince is being written for the trade. You know, they can they can just pump out once. What well, well, I thought was know. notable is it says limited series on the cover, but it doesn't give you an issue. Like usually it says one of no. something. Right. Because Darkness right. still has that. You know, other books have that. It just says limited mm-hmm. series. So may- maybe yeah. they are being a little flexible and saying, well, we won't, yeah. you know, lock it in. Yeah. But... Maybe they learned their lesson from Swamp Thing. Yeah. But yeah. it's not going to be super long. So that's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there you go. This is a pretty, pretty uneventful top 10, all things considered. Mm. But, uh, there you go. Uh, oh my. I just noticed, uh, so Saga obviously just came back. The first 54 mm. issues are in Compendium Volume 1, which is issues 1 through 54 in one chunk on Comixology, which is yeah. half off right now, which is an insanely good price for 54 issues of a comic book, so... Uh, Avengers, just Avengers, like uh, well, in UK money anyway. It's uh, nineteen twenty nine, but that's for fifty four issues. Probably like twenty five dollars, I imagine. Yeah. Good lord. 
Yeah. If you drop that on your foot, you're definitely needing a cast. Yeah, I, I've I've not yeah. seen the saga one specifically, but I've seen the Walking Dead compendiums, which I think are about fifty yeah. issues each as well. Yeah. Um, um they're comparable and oh my how god. How do you read those? those? I don't know. I, 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 the I mean, loss is astronomical. Do you, do, do you see in Marvel don't tend to put their omnibuses up for digital purchase, but <laughs> I appreciate the image do. And honestly, this is a very cost effective way to get the first half of the run or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by all means, if you want to try out Saga, you can get all, pretty much everything up until the newest issue for one convenient price. Just about what that and one issue on top of it, I think, right? Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, you can you can wait in the new issue though. Wait till you've read the other fifty-four. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you probably could. Yeah. You probably get a sale at some point in the other ones. Yeah. Do, uh, do Image do drop, uh, still do the thing where they drop the price by a, a dollar after like a month? Or yeah, two? yeah, after two months, I think it is. Because two months they do it. Different companies do different times. Yeah. Yeah, I think it moved to two months at some point. I mean, maybe I'm misremembering this, but... I think, I think it's it, Boom or IDW, one of them does it after one month, I know that. IDW is so weird because they charge, like, more for the, the single issues than some of the other companies, but they drop, like, $2 after two months, so it's like, if you just want to wait two months, you'll get all their books for much cheaper. And their <laughs> trades are extortionate. Oh yeah, IDW is like the only comics publisher in Comicsology where it's actually more cost effective to buy the single issues on sale than it is the trades. Consistently, it doesn't yeah. matter what the book is. Yeah, yeah, because the the single issues for a dollar an issue work out cheaper than buying because their trades are always four issues, but they still charge you know what other companies do for six or seven issues. So yeah, uh, yeah. So hey, I I just I noticed that I was like oh I, I was thinking oh maybe that's like the first thirty issues I was just kind of gobsmacked that it was actually fifty four. on. Comicsology. Mm-hmm. It's switching over to Amazon very soon. Uh, this month, by the, the look of it, they've got the website up and ready. Um, they've sent out emails, kind of warning people about it. Uh, yeah. From I think it's Seb- February. I want to say seventeenth. Uh, you will uh, all your pre-orders will. The, the, you know, if you've got if anything pre-ordered from beyond that date, they're all cancelled. You have to you know redo them through Amazon. Um, so yeah, Com- Comicsology has about two weeks left in it. I'd, I'd say. I mean, I mean, Amazon bought it years ago at this point. I guess it's impressive that they kept the branding this long as they did. Yeah, but do, do I, I really am not looking forward to. Mm-hmm. My Kindle books library is about to get spammed full of comics. Because <laughs> they're going to migrate them to be combined, right? I mean, is that what they're expecting you to use? It's just the Kindle app? Or, they, or is there a dedicated comics app as well? I think it's going to be... I think they're updating the Kindle app to be part of that. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, well... The, uh, the website that they, they've launched is... It's not ideal. This has got like some of the same like layout stuff to it. Like, yeah, oh, here's the sales section. Like, it, like an actual tab with the same name as it is on Comixology. But... You and you can filter it by publisher, but you, there aren't like oh this you know this section of like oh this is the theme. So you know the I don't know what's on right now, but DC probably have mm. a, a theme for this. It might sub the Black History Month one actually. What's funny is I googled uh, Amazon Comics and it just the first result was Comicsology. <laughs> is that actually giving me the the website? I can send you a link real quick. So I got it in uh in my email. I don't even know what they're... Is that what they're calling it? Just Amazon Comics? Or are they... Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just drop this in the, in the chat for you there. Yeah, yeah. That is what it looks like. It's, um... 
Yeah, it's a thing. But the, the comic sales and deals... Oh, they've updated now, actually. I, t I take it back. It does have the sections. When I looked at this the other day, when they launched this, it didn't... Hmm. Interesting. But, yeah. I, I... Definitely no top ten, though. Life will find a way. Don't you worry. I will... I, will. I, I will concoct a way to have some sort of top ten. Every week. Just your way. Yeah, there's not a lot here right now, so... We'll, we'll see what they... Yeah, that, that's coming in the next couple of weeks. At so, least in the UK, I don't know if it's rolling out globally or if it'll be... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see anything with it with here. There's still, I mean, it still seems to be called Comicsology, though, on this. Yeah, yeah, they're still using that name as a like a distinct subsection yeah. of Kindle, it, it seems to be. Uh, uh, let's click here to get ready. Weird. It's just, this is... Amazon site, that's disappointing, honestly. Not the best for browsing, but hey-ho. Yeah. Uh, oh well, let's uh, move on. So there is one bit of notable news this week. Matt sacrificed a bunch of goats, apparently. Uh, apparently, uh, because we're getting a comic book called Jurassic League, in which the Justice League are all dinosaurs. It's so stupid. How does this exist? But also, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, what even say? There's not even a lot of information on it in this uh, in this new story. Um, so it's Jurassic League's a six issue miniseries that reimagines the entire Justice League, including Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and villains like the Joker as dinosaurs in a world evolved from prehistoric creatures. I'll be honest. This made me think of the Super Mario Brothers movie when I read that. I can mm -hmm. see it. That's what I was thinking. Uh, in DC's words, defenders of truth, justice, and the prehistoric way. I mean, that's a good line. That's a good, that's a good, mm -hmm. good tagline. That's a good tagline. Uh, according to the publisher, the dino version of DC's Trinity joins forces with superpowered dinosaurs to save a prehistoric Earth from a sinister machinations of dark side. Uh, does it appear to be a creative team? There, there is a creative team. It's, there is. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is writing it. Okay. And uh, one uh, Gideon is doing the art, which is interesting to me because it's the first time I'll have read a uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. Johnson book that he's not done the art for. Um, oh. But you you guys heard me praising that Beta Ray Bill book mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. That, that was him, so that puts me even more excited for this than just can, the premise. Can I just complain? The reason why I thought there was no creative team is because the amount of ads underneath the first few paragraphs made me think it was the Oof. end of the article. And I didn't have ad block. I I, had to, I I do, but it doesn't block Newsarama's ads for some reason. You need to update your ad block. Mine does. Um, but yes, that that that, that was the the issue. There's actually a lot more so, information. So when you said there's not that much information, you missed like two thirds of the article. More than that, even I I had the first little bit <laughs> of the cover. <laughs> Then there's like a whole interview segment here. He's talking about the yeah. book. It's a, it's a whole thing. Um, my, my, my favorite my... quote is, uh, I dig right. the Justice League, but I dig them more as dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> I, read a, I read an interview piece with Johnson, and he was saying why he picked certain dinosaurs for the certain characters. Mm -hmm. um, and like when it, when it came to Superman, you don't want to make him a T-Rex, right? Because that's not the spirit of Superman. Um, because you want something that's, you know, big and strong, but also friendly. And I was like, oh man, they, they've been doing some, you know, they really thought about this book. It's not just like, wouldn't it be cool if the Justice League were dinosaurs? 
and with um with the triceratops uh, as wonder woman it's like you know this is an animal that can you know take on a t-rex but you know also you know you wouldn't expect that and you're like okay and then it got to why is batman an allosaurus and it basically came down to you know, an Allosaurus has these little horns, and it was, you know, kind of reminded me of, of Batcow. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's a little bugs. It reminded me of the bat ears, so I went with yeah. it. It's like, I'll take it. Oh, well, yeah, also, that makes sense. I love that you... Batman is still the only one without powers, even as dinosaurs. Yeah. I would, you know, my gut instinct would say a Velociraptor for the Flash because of the speed, but everything else about the Velociraptor does not match any Flashies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe reverse Flash, I suppose, if you really want to yeah. push it, mm-hmm. but uh, um, not the actual Flashies. I, I think this yeah. book is going to be a blast. It, it's it's going to be stupid fun. Like there's there is no way this is a serious book that is like yeah no. high art, but it is going to be amazing. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> this is this is high art in my book. Oh, then who are we to uh, judge? But yeah, so um, they have Joker as a Dilophosaurus, which I think is hilarious because if you have the squirting flower, mm-hmm. and you know the the common misconception that. The Dilophosaurus were the spitting dinosaurs, which was a something made up by Michael Crichton for Jurassic Park. Um, but still, it's pretty hilarious. He actually looks in the in the preview art, looks more like um, just some kind of creature more than a Dilophosaurus, which fits Joker so well. Yeah, it's very creepy looking. Yeah. So. Mm. But yeah. yeah. Um, R- random announcement because you know, usually we get these announcements in the run up to solicits. This is just a random early announcement in the month. Yeah. I wonder. At first, if, I wonder if solicits are maybe a bit because solicits are usually around the second or third week, right? But with February being a shorter month, maybe just the way it falls, mm-hmm. solicits will be next week. Maybe yeah. Yeah, maybe it'll be next week. Uh. What? So I'm just checking that, that, that I'm not like leaking anywhere, that the rain is really bad. Okay. It's like a full like storm going against my window. Alright. Oh well, dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Justice League. Jurassic League, even. Jurassic League. It's yeah. a great name. I mean, it's a good. T- I mean, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I think the title was the first thing that happened, and then he says, oh, dinosaurs. No, it, it is definitely a what if Justice League but dinosaurs was just an idea someone had. And then they were like, and, and they, they, they were sat around, you know, sat in a pub with, with some drinks. And they're like, yes, that's a great idea. And then somehow they were in a position of power to actually make it happen, rather than just everyone else who has these stupid ideas. Yes. So we'll go. So I assume that's starting in what? May? April? May? May? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. It's May. We had April already, yes, on May. Uh, all right. There you go. <laughs> we'll see you for Jurassic League. Uh, so it's funny. I I didn't say almost say part there. I almost said express. Um, Matt gets yeah. why. Uh, but here we go. It's a tag team in wrestling. Connor is fine. Right. Okay. But, no there's a there's a wrestler called Luchasaurus. There's a dinosaur right, okay. mask. And if if he was actually a better wrestler, he'd be my favorite thing of all time. But <laughs> he's kind of janky in the ring. Not that he doesn't try. He's but... alright. He's got presence. Yeah. He's he's, he's the perfect uh, big guy for Jungle Boy to team with. You know, you could do. By the way, notable thing I want to mention this is a little thing from for, from the dynamite this week is it had to suck for Jungle Boy to have to land on the the ground outside in the snow uh, in a t shirt. I was like, oh man, that was the thing about it. It wasn't even the pain of landing the Congo. It was like, oh man, that must be so cold. I I might have yelled, "You monsters! He's from the jungle." 
He doesn't understand weather. Those ass boys are on a tirade. They have to be stopped. Oh my god, I've been watching Dan Housen videos for about a week, and <laughs> his rivalry with causing them the ass boys because their dad is Mr. Ass. I just, it's so good. It's a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess we could talk about comics now. <laughs> we should do it. All right. Uh, let's start with Detective Comics 1051. Mariko Tamaki writing with Max Rayner now on the main art juice. Yep. Um, and much like we kind of predicted, you know, we ended with the reveal of Psycho Pirate last issue. So this issue did have a lot of heavy Psycho Pirate stuff. Starting off with kind of the lead into how he got involved. And then obviously some big plot stuff uh, with his current involvement as the issue went on. Um, ultimately, I, I think what this issue added to the overall story for me, um, other than just um, Doctor whatever his face is, um, like juggling all these plays and like getting mm-hmm. pissing off Penguin, pissing off the gang because he's because he, he's, all he's basically trying to do is stall long enough to get this money and run. That's basically right, what they're doing. So- so the the thing that this issue added though uh other than that was this idea that this this ticking time bomb of all these patients like eventually going nuts and like this big situation that we know we're building to is the idea that the other thing that's also on a bit of a fuse is psycho pirate because he is single-handedly trying to control all these people and he's been asked by uh what's his name thank you dr where uh, it's best I thought to wear to like, oh, like, you're going to have to like, you know, make the canal feel better because like, he's coming by to visit. And he's like, but that's a different emotion. And that's another person on top of the mix. Like, I, I can't keep all the patients in control whilst I'm doing that. Yeah, you can. It's too Basically, much. when he's describing this web, it's the uh, the Charlie and Always Sunny, you know, the, the murder board, essentially. Yes, yes. That's what, that's what you should be picturing. Great. Now Psycho Pirates Charlie Day in my head. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> It fits, right? It does. Uh, Just um, an absolute mess of a person. Yeah, so I, um, I dug all that stuff. So so we have that, that where is selling these drugs out on the street, but they come back as, as basically salt pills or sugar pills. So is he just... Did he think he was just going to be able to get away with selling not drugs since he's not using drugs? Well, no, I think he was. Like, I think this is like he was giving them proper shipments before because they meant like the back characters mentioned that they, they are out in the streets and there's people mm-hmm. cooked on them. And I think they mentioned it's only half of this shipment that are like the shipments, yeah. right. right? So, it, so it, is he running out? That, that's my question, though. Is like if the, if he knows he has a deadline, right, for Nakano to to hand over the money, why would he overcomplicate it by sending out? Bad pills. Maybe he thought he'd have the money by now, and he he tried to like cut corners by just like shipping yeah. one batch in two and selling it to two okay. different people. I don't, I don't know because because both Penguin and the gang both like are right. half you know cut half short. I, I would say it's a case of he knew he had this deadline of you know okay this is how long it's going to take me to get the money from Nakano, and it's taking slightly longer than expected. So mm-hmm. he started trying to oh I'll just make the product last a little bit longer so I'll cut it down by a half and just, you know, top it up with some, some cheap, you know, just some mm. sugar pills and like being mm-hmm. like, yeah, th- th- yeah this will buy me some time. I only need a few few more days. A few more days. That's all I need. Yeah. Joey, Joey came across to me in this issue. He came across as Adam Sandler from Uncut Gems to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was just about to compare it to. That, that's what yeah. I was getting from him. The way well, he was like we fran- see him disposing of bodies. Oh, yeah. Really calm. It's like, hey, no, that's all out. Don't worry about it. No problem. Yeah. 
Because the way yeah, he frantically is calling around people and he's he's trying to like talk to uh uh what's her face Meridian and mm-hmm. he's like just sort of trying to be calm with her. But when she's like, yeah, I'm not going to sign over my report until I've met with Doctor Ocean, which obviously he's stalling because it's that psycho pirate mm-hmm. and he's not wanting to actually meet him. Uh, so, so so he keeps saying oh shit every time he hangs up the phone, and it was starting to be really funny mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in a mm-hmm. sort of maniacal kind of way. Uh, so yeah, the back characters uh, mentioned that the 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 cave they've sort of like got done up won't be good for too long because there's construction going on uh, going through the sewers. Uh, just a, a little point that may be worth mm-hmm. mentioning. Probably because they blew up a bunch of the sewers recently. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, hard to hard to deny that. Um, so yeah, the big thing in this issue is that when Psycho Pirate goes to uh, c- you know help control Nakano and make him like happy with what he's seeing is that he does lose control. And I really liked, because there's, there's a great page in here, uh, right after the page where he's under the desk, where you see sort of like all the TV screens around him with all the different patients and him trying to control them. Um, and there's just like pills and energy drinks on the floor, because clearly he's been like trying to keep everything in check. Like He's presumably having to stay awake yes. near constantly mm-hmm. to control this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously you're thinking, is this it? Is this when it all kicks off? Is it, is it, is it this time? And what's funny is that it feels like it is because it's getting really severe and then they just sort of sweep it all under the rug. Like, no, no, everyone forget. Everyone forget, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's what's really interesting is if, if you obviously, if you, you get caught up in the story because it tells us we're on day 19. Yes. And we know it was day 27, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Maybe 24. Uh, there was something like that, though. Yeah, it was, it, but it was definitely in the 20s, right? Yeah. I think that's the mm-hmm. important part. So... We know it's not this moment, but it's still like it's it goes along with it just enough that you're like maybe it is maybe you know you you kind of you forget that detail that uh, you you forget to think about it methodically. Yeah, or, or maybe just this crisis lasts like that long, potentially. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Clearly, it doesn't. You know, obviously, by the end of the issue, yeah, they they do kind of let's sweep it under the rug, but like there are dead bodies. You know, all these serial killers and stuff that are here just start stabbing people and fighting and causing chaos and Anna Volshin actually grabs Dick who's in like you know he's, he's he's planting like some spyware on a laptop for Barbara and comes running to see what all the commotion is and gets hit and gets grabbed uh, but it gives a nice big moment where Huntress sort of goes back into fight mode because she's protecting uh, Chase um, and it's actually a Nero 19 who's like walking down the hall with a blade they've done a really great job of this idea of like all these dangerous people Im- immediately just reverting to themselves and like these hallways yeah. are dangerous and it, also that, that panel of her kicking off to do the punch is just fantastic oh yeah it's great and I think what I like about it is obviously there's been a lot of like diehard comparisons with the, the setup at least we're, that we're building up to but it really does feel like Huntress is the one good like I mean, obviously we know Dick's in there too, technically, but mm-hmm. just in the context of, like, no, she's the one patient in there who's going to be there to protect the people who are innocent. Like, kind of, I feel... It, it does give her kind of that, like, reluctant, but... It, it feels like there's going to be a part of the story where we're kind of doing the die-hard thing, and then maybe a bit at the end where it goes more, I don't know, raid or dread. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of yeah. like, you know, the, the backup comes in, this is, you know, Storm in the Tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's the way Weir comes in and says, you know, "Damn it, Roger, stop it! Fix this right now!" And he makes them all sleep and forget. And so we just we end the main story with like Dick and Avulsion all just lying asleep. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we know there's at least another five days or something until this all properly happens. So, like, seemingly I, he's kept the genie in the bottle somehow. I also right really now. like this last like panel and like the last page, where it's like, "Forget, forget, forget," and then 
you know the credits and it just says next remember <laughs> yeah i think that's really clever yeah so it does make you wonder like you know is someone going to remember something because psycho pirates too just too, too strained he's just he's, he's stretched himself too Stre- thin stretched a little thin yeah yeah uh I really, I really like how you use Pirate in this, uh, and I think turning Doctor Weir into uh, Uncut Gems <laughs> was yeah. was, was yeah. a genius move to be like. I kind of love that he just turned out to be this big swindler con man, and that's all he is. I, I like it a lot more than kind of any of the other options that you know we had maybe theorized with. Yeah, um, you know, but just the idea, that the whole thing. There is, you know, there is no plan to long term keep Arkham Tower going. There is no master plan of you know these drugs will work. It's just, mm-hmm. we just got to convince him long enough to get the money yeah. and then we run. Yeah. Right. It's not the typical story that we get in Gotham where, oh no, it, it, it'll work this time because I believe in it. It's like, no, this guy doesn't believe in it. He's just, it, it's the monorail episode of The Simpsons. And yeah. he's, you know? there's not even anything to believe in. It's, yeah. hey, it's over. Do you want to sort of come pull a scam with me? And he's so, he's so in over his head as well. This, this, is, what, this is why it still hasn't. Like the, the threat itself still has a lot of menace and stakes because even though he's just the swindler, and he just wants to run with the money. He's basically created this melting pot of all these dangerous people, and we already know it leads to his death. You know, unless there's a swerve mm-hmm. there, we already know it's leading to him being thrown out of a window. <laughs> so, like, w- like the, the, it's the situation he's creating and his greed that's creating this situation. And the situation itself is still super dangerous. It's still, you know, high stakes. Uh, so it doesn't rob it of any of that, and it actually gives you this character who is going to get his comeuppance, which is kind of what makes it so satisfying that he is trying to spin all these plates, because we know he's not going to mm-hmm. be able to do it. Um, so, but you don't feel sorry for him, whereas I think in Uncut Gems, there is an element of, like, oh, wa- yeah. wanting him to be better and make the right choice, you know, get over this addiction of gambling and so on. I think that's the difference, is yeah. that he has an actual, you know, a problem, whereas this guy is just like, I got, well, I, I got an idea. <laughs> Well, because you you get to know Sandler's family and his whole situation, yeah, and you know you're really invested in him, you know, going, you know, pulling this off. Whereas with where we're like, oh no, you messed up, man. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, taking the pacing still, I, th- I still think this this was paced great for a weekly book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think oh this yeah, paced uh, better than the last few, if I'm honest. I think this one had a a pretty sizable chunk. I think by dedicating enough of it to Psycho Pirate stuff. It felt like I got a more significant chapter than in the last couple, for me at least. I never had the problem in the last couple, but I, I've, I've been yeah. digging it uh, through and through. Um, all right, uh, so the backup then, uh, continuing this story of our, of our little ginger. Uh, mm-hmm. He's actually getting out of Arkham. Clayface is proud of because Clayface knows him, of course. They encountered yeah. each other. But he's been adopted out of Arkham by some shady dude. Uh, who it turns out works for the penguin. The penguin is is gobbling him up. He's going to work at the mm-hmm. Iceberg Lounge, and right away you're like, "Oh, this is another Arkham villain who is in a way, in his own way, being nice to him and is looking out for him." Uh, he's, he gives him a job. He says, "You're going to start working. You're going to be in the courtroom to start with. You're going to be loyal. Here's here's some money. Go and have a nice day since you've been, you know, locked up." And... He's, he's very clear, like, "Hey, no, no, you're going to work, but you're not a prisoner. Go go and have fun." Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, don't steal from the customers and don't even think of stealing from me, but be loyal. It's very, very reasonable. Like, like for, you know, with the caveat that yes, Penguin is a terrible villain, he's not being unreasonable to this kid. 
No, no he's no, actually no. being a good businessman. Like, this is a good boss. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, you know, just don't take advantage of me. I won't take advantage of you, but don't like, forget you're here to work. So like I expect you to work hard on company time, but yeah, right. other than that, go do, go do your shit. <laughs> I do love the, where's the bathroom? He's like, the bucket in the corner. And then you turn the page, he goes, oh, I can't, I'm kidding. It's on the hall. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, go help yourself in the kitchen. They'll, they'll, they'll whip you something up. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the, the big story beat the issue is that at the end of his day, like out doing stuff, he gets an ice cream, he gets a toy dinosaur, he's just just doing kid stuff, basically. Um, He's confronted in an alleyway by some thug who demands he pays a toll for going down his street. And luckily, Penguin shows up. Presumably, he's been having him watch to see what he's been doing in his first day to make sure he's not running or something. And Penguin shows up and this this thug immediately starts like blubbering and apologizing because oh I didn't know he was with you penguin I didn't sorry I'm sorry Mr Cobblepot, uh and penguin makes him kiss the ground and apologize and he asks the kid what does he want him to do and the kid says he wants to let him go and then penguin kills him just splats him in the face with his foot curb stomp snaps his neck by the look of it yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. The, yeah, the last panel makes it look his, his neck's done a bit of a, an exorcist twist you may say yeah. uh, and he's like you don't always get what you want. So this is a valuable yeah, lesson to you. Fun? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I say, definitely still a very outright villainous penguin. But very reasonable to this kid. Yeah. Okay, this kid is clearly in for a life of crime. The, you know, he's going to be part of this. But This kid is Gotham. You know what I mean? Like, um, he's Gotham personified. Whereas... It's, it's very much a case of, yeah, the, the, these villains have all seen, okay, he's kind of been treated shittily. Yeah. He's been thrown in Arkham. He's not going to have any life. He might as well come work for us. You know, right. the, it's, it's, you know, it's breeding loyalty, right? It's, right. Uh, they got, they get a loyal man at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah. which makes you wonder if this ends with him face-to-face with Joker at some point. Because we're, we're running through the other ones. I mean, I feel, I feel uh, like Batman and Joker are the two that he has to confront at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. by the end of the story just because we started with them mm-hmm. but 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 yeah um and then that kid also from the orphanage the elliot kid mm-hmm. um i'm sure there's there's gonna be more with him here but uh he shows back up in the limo and at first i thought this was going bad places i did you know? the same thing yeah and then it's just penguin and he's gonna be one of the street urchins and you know it's kind of reminding me of game of thrones with little finger as he picks up his his little birds. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really good. You mean he's prostitutes? Wasn't he like a... Well, he was, but he also had, uh, uh, like, kids and, like, street urchins that were watching stuff for him for money. Yeah, but no, he he did, you know, he was the owner of a brothel. Um, I'm slightly surprised Pete remembered that much, to be honest. I only only remember that. Are you, though? I only remember that because what in the the one season I watched, I remember him wiping jizz off of someone's face before introducing her to the next client, and remember going, "Ugh, I think it was disgusting." That moment stuck out to me. You watched that years ago. That's still there, right, vivid in your brain. There's that and pushing a kid out of a window. That's the two things that I remember about Game of Thrones. <laughs> that is the the quintessential Game of Thrones experience that you yeah. had. <laughs> And and you just stopped after one season, so you also got a, just a, an unsatisfying ending without a conclusion. Well, from the sounds of it, everyone who finished the got a satisfying ending. Exactly, the quintessential Game of Thrones experience. Yeah, true. <laughs> you had the whole thing. Yeah, uh, but he didn't. He didn't have to deal with the red wedding. Uh, 
and all that stuff. Anyway, so, like, he would have relished it in that part. Yeah, anyway. Probably he would have been on what's his face aside. Yeah. So the 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 backup still still good anyway. Blank was art, uh, still very. I mean, we didn't really talk about much of the art in the the main story, which is to say that there was nothing that stuck out as bad. It's actually pretty solid. Uh, I think I like it more than some of the the resort that we had. That's fair. And not that the the resort was bad, but there, there was especially the last couple of issues. I felt like it was a bit a bit rushed. I think you know we mentioned the Huntress fight scene being well done. Uh, good sense of motion. I think I liked. Uh, like a lot of the psycho pirate stuff, I mentioned the monitors page, but I also really dug just like the all the visuals of him hiding under the desk. This this idea that he's been overstressed and he's really strained and he's being really like you know roped there's, into um, all this extra work and he's he's really struggling. There's a couple of panels I really like where we're viewing things through a monitor, like you know we're seeing like psycho pirate's perspective, mm. and the panel is shaped like the monitor, and it's like clearly a security camera and it has that. Kind of that lens effect, you know, that curved effect at the top and bottom. Yeah, the old CRT kind of. Yeah, thing. but it has that in the image, and I, you know, I thought it just just a really nice touch that you know completely like told me exactly what this, you know, what I was seeing, you know, the way I was viewing it. And so that's one of those probably things that TVs have moved so far beyond that now TVs are perfect rectangles that don't have any distortion because mm-hmm. TVs have just gotten you know better in that sense. Uh, but obviously. We still use it to signify TV screens and a, and a comic and stuff like that. We do. I think this one was specifically more like it was one of those very round, wide-angle security cameras mm. that, because they're so wide, kind of like fisheye a little bit at the sides. That's the observation. Okay, let's get rating then. Matt, what are you giving the uh, the main story? Uh, main story, I'll give a... I'd say an eight. Okay. A backup. Uh, backup eight point five. Okay, all right, fair. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the same for both. Same for both. Uh, I'm going eight point five. Uh, main story. Uh, I'll, I'll go eight for the backup. I'll 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 flip Matt's numbers a little bit. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Uh, in that case, Batman issue one twenty. Joshua Wilson writing. And I wrote down the artist this time because I think there's only three. <laughs> when that is yeah. Jorge, Jorge uh, Molina. I think there's two. No, I think there's three because Mikel Jan is definitely in there as well. He's not on the cover, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's he's definitely there's some Mikel Jan yeah. art in there. Jan is on the cover. It wasn't on the image on the on on the website on the yeah. Comic Geeks. So they clearly added his name to it at some point. But uh, yeah. uh, but yeah, uh, Tommy Moni or sorry, Tommy Murray uh, is the third artist in he, question. Yeah, that's uh, the colorist. Is he a colorist? Yeah, it's only Molina and Yannin. See, that, the that, that, this is the problem. <laughs> They've made this so convoluted with how many artists this book has had that I legitimately was having trouble telling who the artists were. Outside yeah, of opening unless... to look at the credits page, but that takes too much time. <laughs> I feel like it'd be uh, more accurate if you did that. It would be, but I'm done. You know, well, the, the front page also has Benedetto on on there, unless that's the backup. I'll artist. be the backup. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll be the backup. So that's that's not on there. Actually, yeah. I don't. No. I don't know because the backup has its own little thing on the right, uh, yeah. on, on on the cover. Oh sure, okay, maybe then. Yeah. Well, regardless, <laughs> regardless of of who's doing what art where, um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll talk about the art, I'm sure, because there is there is that flipping back and forth between the artists yeah. again, uh, which has some, you know, results. There's more of it this issue than last. Yeah. Do you know what's so weird is that I love Yannin's art and it looks great, but because the other stuff from uh from Molina 
is so moody and perfect for the story. And I, I found my texture. I found myself being disappointed every time it went to Yaren, mm. and I love Yaren's art. <laughs> M- Melina's yeah. stuff. It's got a. It's a bit scrattier. Yeah. Yep. It's, 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 it's a bit grittier to it. Yeah, the massive texture. It's got that sort of paint texture to it. Yep. Uh, uh, which I really, really like. It's but like heavy, heavier on the inks, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so our detective here, Ikea, uh, she smuggles Batman out of the crime scene in a body bag and even cracks a line, why Why? why is there a zipper inside the body bag? What, what purpose <laughs> could that possibly have? <laughs> Uh, I suspect that it's just not that hard to still pull it down, even without the, the little zipper part. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a funny joke. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so, he still can't see. He's still affected by uh, Abyssy's powers is the main thing here at the start. And he can so, just see himself still. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, okay, can we go somewhere uh, dark so I can check myself out and maybe try and figure things out? Uh, we see Lex at Lexi's building uh, in Banesia. Because uh, of course he has, a, he has a building in every city, presumably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why not? Uh, and he's confronted uh, by Abyssy's powers, and he reveals that he's actually got a bat suit that he did. He actually did build for Batman because he was hoping that mm-hmm. Batman would join up with them, and he he built a suit that is designed to counter Abyssy's powers, so Lex can still see. It actually, you know, obviously, I'm sure this will be explained at some point when we find out how Abyssy's powers work and how Lex has countered it. But he's figured it out, and he has a counter suit for it. Um, and yeah, so we get some great art of Abyss jumping out of Lex, uh, and I mean, the, the, the suit's more of a Lex suit that just has a bat logo on it, to be honest, but that glowing bat logo does look quite nice. Yeah. That, just in the, in the dark, that, you know, that yellow, yeah, that glow is just, oh, it's so gorgeous, those pages. Good stuff. And the bat logo on this is very Batman Begins bat logo. Yep. It's got that mm-hmm. sort of straight top. Sharp. Yeah. Um, so we're at Kaya's, uh, apartment, I think, and they do that thing where Batman's over in the shadows, he's like, no, no, you don't come, don't turn the lights on, because I had to take my mask off to check myself out. So he's, like, in the moody shadows the entire time, uh, as she's kind of off on the side, uh, talking to him, making tea, uh, and then ultimately stitching him up because he's got a wound in his, his back, or his side that mm-hmm. he's attended to. Um... Uh, you know, and she has this this you know somewhat tragic past. She wanted to be a cop. She wanted to find missing persons. Um, and comments that Batman her parents went missing. Yeah, Batman uh, yeah. probably knows all of this already. Um, I really hope her parents don't hurt to be important people. I hope. I hope. Yeah. I hope that trap's avoided. They're they're not the president of Bodnesia. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I really hope not. Um, money on her being recruited to be the Batman of Badnesia by the end of this story. Oh, I could see that. Maybe. I could see that. Um, but yeah, so it's good stuff. And the art here is good. It's just like mm-hmm. every time we cut to Batman and he's in the panels and the shadows, I'm like, oh, this would be better with the other artist. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. this is. Yeah. It, I, 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 I really like those panels, though. They, uh, not they to say the other stuff's bad. But... Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a case of like swapping between artists does this thing. And. Basically, for this story and for the moodiness that it's going for, I do think the Molina art is more suited. It's it's a lot less distinct as well than last issue, where it was very clear. You know, this Lex section mm. is is where we're we're doing with Yan and, and the other stuff's Molina. Here, it's a bit more just ah, oh, we'll do some with either either or, and we'll kind of just switch where we feel like it. it. It's not as rigid. Yeah, it t- it tends to be more related to Abyss, uh, plus the Batman stuff and the 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 van at the start, uh, basically. Uh, which isn't a terrible 
you know break for it is to the idea that abyss has this effect on the art when he shows up since that's what his powers are like yeah but you know it's, it's still going back and forth uh, so we find out that the uh, Batman Inc., all the, all the members that were arrested, mm-hmm. all, have all been put in this super high security prison. Uh, and Batman's like, I need to go see them. I need to figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. And he still he still can't see anything but himself. So he's still, right. he's still severely handicapped as far as fighting goes. Uh, so sure enough, they go to see them. We switch back to Molina. Um, he describes, you know, names of the, the various, uh, you know, the, because Batman. The, ba- Batman that are there, yeah. Um and goes to uh, meet them, uh, turns off the lights himself, and they have a confrontation with him. And what's interesting here is obviously they know that Abyss isn't dead yet, and it's like, okay, well, I can go and talk to them, find out, you know, are they really working for Lex, what's going on? And they basically start fighting Batman, It you know, they have a big confrontation, and Batman demands to know why would they work with Lex Luthor, and... The, the security guards are coming after him at this point. And it all, all builds up to a big reveal at the end. Because Lex shows up in his bat suit. Mm-hmm. And the twist at the end of this issue <laughs> is that they're not really... I mean, they're kind of working for, for Luther and that he's financed them, but that's not actually mm-hmm. their leader. It turns out they're working for Abyss. And in the final page, it's Abyss has shown up out of nowhere and all of these Batman Inc. characters are standing behind them as a team. Mm-hmm. And it says next time Lex Luthor and Batman team up because maybe I, Batman's going to have to team I, up with them. I kind of love it. I mean, I kind of, I, I kind of like it in terms of like, okay, this is more interesting in terms of a direction to go. But I did feel Abyss's appearance here on this last page felt so like to the point where I was thinking, was this one of the other members who like took their mask off and turned it Abyss? Like, what's going on? Yeah, I the whole because uh, they were supposed to be arrested for killing Abyss. Um, so much that the police are calling the murderers as they walk them out to when Batman has them. It's very messy and overcomplicated. Um, I, ass- I assume that's the, the plan is, all right, let's draw Bruce out. He'll come and investigate if all of us mm. are maybe, imprisoned. So they're, kind of, they're all in on it, right? Maybe, but it just, it just seems here that they're, you know, the, the hood... Tells Batman, "This is our case. You need to back off." Um, uh, it's just—it's very weird that these the these you know Batman would sign up with with whoever Abyss I, is. I wonder if that's possible. maybe they are intentionally out of character because something's going on. Yeah. Like you, know, not, I don't want to say brain control here, you know, but like, you know, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, somewhere. Abyss could have more powers we're unaware of that's affecting them or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, yeah. yeah, it's hard hard to see. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward to like getting more of like how and why for this. I will mm-hmm. say that I did like the effect of that final page. I just, I just, uh, to me, the problem wasn't necessarily the complicated nature of like the machinations of the twist. It was more mm-hmm. just where did it come from? Because it felt like he wasn't in the scene, and then he was just standing there for the, right. the whole, you know, grip shot. Uh, so that was that was a little bit strange. Uh, but. Uh, you know, that. also we should mention that Batman can still see Lex. Whatever Lex has got in his suit means that Batman can still yeah. see him, even though well, he's affected by the powers. Batman was uh, also hypothesizing that it might be nine, uh, nanobots mm. or something that that's causing him to do this, and that you know that would make sense for Lex to counter whatever Nevis's powers are. So yeah, but yeah, 
yeah. I mean, I, I had a good time with this issue. I think uh, Kay is a pretty likable character. The more bonding she does with Batman, the more likable mm-hmm. she's becoming. Um, so, good supporting cast member added to the, you know, not that she's going to, I mean, I doubt she's going to come back to Gotham, right? And I'm, I'm assuming she's going to stick around here. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, enjoyable for this arc, certainly. And uh, Lex looks great in that weird bat suit. And there's no cowl. I mean, when I say bat suit, it's just a bat logo. Yeah. But, uh, right. I imagine there was a cowl. He just doesn't wear it because Lex would dare cover his face like that if he didn't have to. Right. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that it doesn't have a higher collar that ends up in the two. Like, gives him the same figure as Batman, like in silhouette. All right. Uh, yeah. I feel like he would almost look like some sort of robotic vampire with that collar like that. Yeah. Like he's trying to like be Nosferatu yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the collar's already pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of weird. Uh, yeah. I'm getting, you know, I'm digging this. It, it does feel like a, an interesting story. You know, I was worried when it's, when we heard that Batman Inc. was going to be a factor in this story, I was a little, eh, I don't know if I really want Batman Inc. stuff. This is more interesting to me because it's more using them as a plot, not even a plot device, but like, their plot collateral as opposed to the plot being about setting up more Batman Inc. stuff. Uh, and I'm enjoying the new characters that have been introduced and I'm, I'm typically enjoying the art, although I do wish it was a bit more consistent one way or the other. Um, but, yeah, I'm into it. I, I think the, the overall sense of style and like the powers of Abyss and the interactions with Lex and Kea are what I'm digging about this. So I'm, I'm along for the ride for now. It's not done anything mm-hmm. to upset me. So I'm having a good time. Alright. Uh, did I want to read the backup? No. No. Uh, I don't think so. Alright, Matt, what are you rating Batman? I'm going to do a 7.5. You okay, Connor? Yeah, same again. Same again? Um, I'll nudge it slightly to an 8. I had a good time. I like the R a lot. Okay. Alright, Dark Knights of Steel. Issue 4, Tom Taylor and Bengal on the art. So, different artists on this issue. Uh, for what is probably a flashback issue, uh, as Alfred explains the story of of the... almost like the Kents there, of the elves arriving the elves, to yeah. Earth, and like just how, how they actually were after the initial... Because we saw them landing in the first issue, but we didn't see how they rose to power to be king and queen, or right. whatever the titles are, Thanks. and so on and so on. So this was how they met the the Waynes, their interactions, the the the, the one night stand that created Bruce between yeah, Jorel and it all, Martha. It all plays out exactly like you think it would, but also not at all like you think it would. And it's all very character in the character of the Els and the Waynes. Um, <clears throat> up until that one night stand, where you're kind of like, oh, okay, this is a, an odd curveball to throw in there, but it all works still. Um, nothing feels out of place, especially in this world. Um, so that, that in, in this world, scratched. yelling Martha would, uh, would uh, have a bit more impact, I suppose. Uh, I suppose, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately what this issue is, is that it's an issue to show that Alfred is still Alfred to Batman, right? Yeah. Even with all the different context. You know, the, the, the last line of the issue is him saying, you know, I've got, you know, I've got my king, or, you know, I've got a king. Mm-hmm. And the way he's giving him a pep talk here and he's telling him all this so that he doesn't doubt himself, it's all very Alfred, despite the fact that we have all this wacky different context. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of makes it work yeah. is overall as a Batman story, is a, is a version of Alfred and Batman. So, uh, I mean, the backstory itself, you know, ultimately they were in hiding, uh, but then this volcano was going to go. 
So they mm-hmm. want to warn people without revealing who they are because they don't want to be, you know, they don't want people to see them use powers. They want to just be off the grid right. effectively. And it makes a lot more sense as well. You know, again, this is, they've escaped from Krypton. It's clearly the uh, geological impact of Krypton, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. is, is the, you know, the backstory from, from this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that you know Jor-El wakes up terrified of of this earthquake, at oh first. yeah, yeah, uh, and we get the creation of this. So I'll, let me just throw the words together and just let's get reactions to this. Mm-hmm. Alexander Luther becomes the Joker with the Green Lantern ring. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think the fact that this he has now merged Superman and Batman right within Bruce because now Bruce is half Kryptonian. So it's only logical that he mixes Luther and uh, Joker. However, him being the greed man with the, the Green Lantern ring, uh, okay, that's that's different. I, I will say um, it's very wild, and it's a yeah. it's a take. I'm not opposed to it. No, I, I, I'm very you know kind of open to these sorts of things in you know Elseworlds because right. screw yeah, it, why not? Well, I I do like that we get Lex's origin here that he he was in the council. Uh, of the, the Waynes, and when the elves offered help, he you know threw him out. He he, he um, was worm tongue. Yeah, and so he yeah from from Tolkien. I yeah I got that reference. Um, and so I specifically didn't tell everyone what they, they said. He didn't tell yeah, everybody, he... and so the elves act on their own and, and save the day. So which then puts them in with the with the Waynes, who then throw out Luther for his you know betrayal, trying to keep his own spot. Um, so then, of course, he gets, you know, mad with envy, as as we've seen in different, you know, so I was like, okay, this tracks for Luther. And then this green meteorite comes down. I was like, oh, this is how he loses his hair because it's kryptonite. And that's where we're going to get kryptonite from. Mm. And no, it ends up being a ring and he ends up becoming a version of the Joker, which I was not expecting. I, I thought yeah. this would just be Luther with a green lantern I, ring. And... I didn't expect it, but I don't hate it. No, I and don't hate he, it either. He also... I, I, I throw that one from reference there, but the more I think about it, more bang on it is you know he kind of came in he had this like this power in the mm-hmm. court the king threw him out and he kind of goes away and becomes you know the enemy where you know it's very it, much it, it's also worth mentioning that he you know because he's the one who kills the waynes but he doesn't actually intend to kill them at first he, he basically hits the wrong the wrong car and then sort of says martha <laughs> like that's that's kind of the, the joke version of yelling the name is mm-hmm. that he, he killed the wrong parents um also, it's kind of funny to me that, you know, like when he's ex- when Alfred's explaining, oh, the one night stand happened, everyone was hurt by it, but then, you know, Thomas come to love Bruce as a son. Uh, there is like a really meaningful panel as, as Thomas just watches uh, Martha breastfeeding, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, young Bruce. Now, this is such a weird panel. You've got King Thomas Wayne watching Martha breastfeed baby Bruce. <laughs> As he's like sort of slowly learning to forgive her for a one night stand that she had with Jor-El. There's just it's one of those weird moments where just the, the weirdness of everything, the scaffolding of weirdness mm-hmm. that has been built, just sort of like becomes apparent. Uh, but I think it's very intentional on that panel. It's it's where he's still very you know it's he's very resentful still. Mm-hmm. He's he's you know he hasn't got to the acceptance stage, which kind of comes later on that page. But that there. He's seeing this, and it's still like, oh, this this isn't mine. You know, he's uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I think I, I at least thought touching the, uh, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but uh, so Martha's breastfeeding him with uh, like a, a blue, like well, so I, I assume it's just like a, a dress or something she's put down, mm-hmm. but that's blue, and then the chair's red, and it's got a yellow rim, right? Yeah. Superman colors. 
But then mm-hmm. Thomas over in the background watching in shadow has a purple curtain behind him, which I would typically... It's not the first colour I think of with Batman, but it's a very Batman-y colour. Yeah. And the way it's behind him like that, you, yeah. you could just twist it a little bit. That that looks very capish, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I suppose well, and then... it's purple, I suppose, with a bit Because the gold crown, you can almost see that yeah. as a bat symbol on the purple. Yeah, um, but also his his clothing is gold and, and black, which I associate yes. with Batman. So, yeah. It's just, a, it's just an interesting little touch in the... Uh, and the colouring there, the, the colour schemes and the idea I, of the two different things. I think it's notable the further down that page he is, uh, you know, young Bruce is wearing, you know, the, the mm-hmm. Batman colours at that point. The dark, yeah, right. you know, the, the dark and the gold. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the, the, you know, we have them as kids being, you know, siblings and Zara's there as well. Uh, just, you know, establishes all these things. This is basically the issue that kind of explains the backstory more than anything. You get the big Joker reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks demented with the green coming out of his eyes. Uh, and he does get away, seemingly. You know, he's still out there as the green man, as we've heard uh, mm-hmm. before. Um, and Martha's, you know, dying. Ask other Martha. <laughs> well, not Martha, sorry. Lara. No, it's Lara. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, it's confusing. There's too many parents. Now you're intermingling them. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joel and Laura, and then yeah, I'm well aware. Know, I'm well aware. Just, pa. We don't. We don't. We just don't call Jorel on Earth. Yes, yeah. it's weird. It's weird having Lara and Jorel on Earth. Okay. Yeah, uh, sure, but like, it's just Ma Kent. Like, I don't. The number of times you actually call her Martha Kent, right? You can't even call her Ma Kent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. He's saying there's too many parents. It's just like you know, because he's getting tripped up on the Martha. Yeah. No big deal. Shoot, now they're one. Now they're one in the same. I see what Taylor did. Yeah, this is crisis of one Martha. Yeah, or infinite Marthas, whatever. Anyway, uh, so honestly, my only the art in the issue is pretty good. I have one little mm-hmm. weird complaint. Is so as as Martha's dying, she's saying, "Yo, let my son be king one day. You should be king and queen." Blah blah. blah. When she's like dying, right? The tears on on Lara here. Now, the actual final panel where the tears going down her cheek is fine, but the first couple of panels where it's maybe be the tears are kind of, like, you know, welling up in her eyes, yeah. it almost just looks like she's got, like, uh... Like, you know... So she's... I don't know, like, little... Pearls. Growths or something. Yeah, in the it, corner it, it looks of her like eyes. she's crying in zero-G. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but both that... The, the two panels that are like that, I just... Those stuck out to me as looking really weird. Like, they didn't look like tears. They looked more like just she's got so, some growth on her face. Uh, but other than that, uh, the art's pretty solid. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Bengal. I've been for mm-hmm. you know years at this point. Yeah, um, I think it's not as perhaps strong as the you know the regular issues. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, I mean, this is probably nicely timed to give uh, the regular artist. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the only reason this exists. Is okay. Every few issues will. To make sure this keeps coming out monthly, we'll take a break and we'll do a, a sub-story. That's why this is a flashback issue and not continuing the main story. Is just right. a, or we'll have an excuse to have, bring in a different artist and you know keep everyone on well, schedule. Yeah, but I, I think it's a bit unfair to say that's why we're doing this, in the sense that I assume that this is all stuff that Taylor would have wanted to tell. It's just that he's structured in a way where it's going to be two or three issues like this spr- sprinkled throughout the, the run, as opposed mm-hmm. to whatever way you might have told it otherwise. Like, I think he's... He's, he's, the practicality of the real world of making the comic book has been influenced here 
in terms of what the story is. But I, I, I do think that like this story and a lot of the details we got from it did have to come up. It's just that you know, like maybe in another, if, if if there was no concerns over the artist needing like time to like stay ahead, maybe it would just be like you know pieces of flashbacks sprinkled throughout multiple issues or something like that. But clearly, mm-hmm. this was the choice that was made to keep it neater. No, I wasn't complaining when when I said that. So it was a choice oh, that was made. No, I know. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm clarifying that it's, 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 it's not like they did a couple of issues. Oh shit! I'll have to come up with something. You know, it's, it's twelve issues, and like there was a plan made from the start of what the structure was going to be. I, I think it would be yeah. from the start. I would not be surprised if there is probably. So this is issue four. It's probably going to be issue eight or nine. Is the same again. Uh, will we have another guest artist for an issue? Yeah, probably another backstory then... style issue. Yeah, I don't know if they'll do a backstory issue or if they'll do a side character that well, they I mean, need to explore in the, the present day. This only went up to the death of the the, the you know the, the Waynes. Like maybe there's more time after this where okay, how do they become king and queen and like raise them as teenagers? You know, there's definitely time here that's not been yeah, explored. The, the, you you can explore that or you can explore something else entirely that might become something that we can't even predict yet because we don't know what the story is going to be. You know, we could follow just a a character on a side story for an issue, perhaps. Yeah, yeah that's relevant, obviously. Was this but... was this always twelve issues, by the way? Yeah, I was. Think so. Yeah, okay. I just, yeah. When I saw it in the cover this time, I was like, was that always twelve or was it maybe six? But yeah. no, it was definitely always twelve. That's fair. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was good, interesting backstory. Uh, big Joker slash Alexander Luther reveal was something definitely stuck out in my mind, and will do. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I'm all for it. All right, Matt, what are you giving it then? We're done. Uh, eight point five. Eight point five. Connor, I'll give it just the eight. I think. Mhm. Um. This is this is a weird one, to me. I I, I think I like kind of how it's playing with the the, the Alfred and Batman relationship and mm-hmm. how it's playing with some of the ideas. But at the same time, I also, like, like as much as I really kind of like the absurdity of this Alexander Luther as the Joker with the Green Lantern ring, part of me is also like, this is just like a hodgepodge of nonsense. It's a hat on a hat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm going with 7.5, because I, I don't feel completely locked into it, but I'm still curious. So that counts for something. So there you go. Uh... All right, Justice League Incarnate, issue four. This is Joshua mm-hmm. Williamson with a lot of artists. Um, which is funny, because he also is doing Batman. This is, for some reason, it's a Joshua Williamson thing. He seems to have, like, mm-hmm. you know, one artist, two artists, not enough. Has to be more. <laughs> I mean, at least with this one, it's it's dealing with different eras, you know? Um, so, Do you think so because he's, he's, he's obviously writing a lot of books right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible he is slightly behind on some of his scripts compared to some other writers and you know it gets sent to artists later and uh, that, that's why it's multiple maybe um i'm not sure maybe he just really wants to work on batman he wants to work with molina and yanin but it's the only time they could fit it in you know mm, i don't know so uh but yeah so this issue is in two halves basically right there's two halves to this issue uh, the first half is kind of trying to contextualize all of the different crises we've had, including mm-hmm. the Metal Wars, which that's what they call it, the Metal Wars, which is a fine name for, to pair them together. Uh, 
and I think Convergence was in there. I, I was lost on that page because I'm like, was this Convergence? Are they talking about Convergence right now? I don't know. Um, but it's basically recontextualizing all those crises uh, in the context of what's currently going on and what's coming, which is before the universe began, there was just nothing. Nothing and something were the same. It was just the darkness. And this infinite darkness um, doesn't like that stuff began. And it's been trying to break through ever since. So everything, all the crises that have happened in some way can kind of be traced back to the influence of the of the darkness wanting mm-hmm. to just basically break everything down. As it says later on, the darkness doesn't want things to end. It wanted things to never begin. Right. And so that's what puts them at odds with Darkseid, who's about anti-life, because anti-life's not great, but it's something. Well, it, is, it basically boils down to... Uh, you remember Spike... And Buffy, how he ended up mm-hmm. trying to help Buffy fight Angelus because he's like, I don't want to destroy the world. I like killing people. If there's no world, I can't kill anyone. <laughs> right? right? That's basically the logic here is Darkseid, I want to rule the, the universe. I can't rule the universe or the, you know, or the multiverse if, if, there's, nothing. if there's nothing there. It's uh, Which... <laughs> funny. It's similar to uh, the other Williamson book from last week. It was, I think it was Matt Tomar Deathstroke uh, Inc. with uh-huh. the council of villains that uh, yeah. Hey, we're going to keep the supervillains sure. in check because we want to make money. That's right, and that's kind of what that is, is that it feels like that's what the spectrum is now. It's not like, you know, the villains don't want to destroy the world. They they, they want the their piece of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just seems funny to have this idea in two Williamson books. You know, yeah, yeah. In two books, I think right? th- th- this one obviously seems obviously a bigger deal because it's building to the next big thing that's happening. Um, it says after Crisis, like because they took away the multiverse and there was only one universe left, that this was kind of a compromise where the light and the darkness had sort of like, okay, you just have one universe so the darkness isn't too unhappy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but basically, even though it wasn't intentionally doing anything, the darkness, like, subtly still affected people, which is what led to, you know, the following events, you know, your zero hour, your infinite crisis, so on and so on. Uh, Darkseid then learned of the infinite darkness and chose to get involved, and that kind of led to Final Crisis. So, you know, all these things. You know, Connor's leaving right now, but see, when all these big events start, he's going to be wishing he knew all this, because this is all super relevant. <laughs> I'm just pu- I'm pointing it out right now. Is, is it, though? I mean, I mean look, I, I'm ex- a continuity one. To an extent, it, I, I mean... And this felt like a waste of an issue. This, this should have been, like, a guidebook kind of deal. Um... Just, just with the way this was set up in Infinite Frontier, with, with Dark Side and the Great Darkness, and it seemed like he wanted to harness it, I, and you know, and now this is just Perpetua again to me. You know, it's it's very redundant, it's, and maybe I mean, that's the I, point. I don't think that that's. I'm not really getting Perpetua, but I, I will say that I have no problem with the general idea that it's saying by sort of trying to tie in all the crisis and everything yeah, no, into I, this. Uh, but I like that idea. It, but... it could be, it could just be a couple of pages saying generally everything that's ever happened in DC is the idea mm-hmm. that so, the darkness is infecting people and wanting this, this end result of like deconstructing, yeah. you know, existence. But I mean, I, I guess he just kind of wanted to kind of do the summary of all the big events, all the big crisis and just sort of, put them into a through line that says this is all building till now which is one of the things that sometimes comic books could just go away from is like the only way we can top things or make things feel bigger 
than they were before is say somehow they were all just a part of this next thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. they, they do which, it over and over again. again. Yeah, but I mean, that's what John said with Infinite Crisis, right? It was a sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And, you know, it brought back the multiverse. And but, you know, but everything had to have happened. It's kind of it's like what they say with the with the Abrams Star Trek is that everything has to happen as it happens in the original Star Trek series for Spock to show up in in that first movie. So it doesn't wipe anything away. You know, it just perpetuates a new version. It's kind of what Williamson's doing here with, with the history of the DC universe. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, by the time it got past uh, Final Crisis and it started doing mm-hmm. what I think was some convergence stuff and it got to metal, there's a point where I was like, okay, this is almost too much nonsense to like, read about in one like swoop. Where yeah. I'm like, I feel like simplifying this down might have been a, a wiser choice. Uh, yeah. But basically, the, the framing for this is that Dr. Multiverse is saying all this and saying, no. Darkseid is a natural enemy of the darkness because Darkseid does want things to exist. And that's why she said Darkseid has to win. And that's where we sort of come back into the story about halfway mm-hmm. through the issue. And they're all like, wait, what? No, we can't believe in that. That's that's silly. Uh, but also what Darkseid's like, yeah, you fools. Like, I'm going to stop the darkness. So how about you help me or not? I don't care which. Let's just do it. Uh, Doctor Batman, <laughs> as we're calling him now, Tries yep. to kill Doctor Multiverse uh, with a syringe, and then gets infected with the darkness. Starts, you know, start, the, the darkness starts speaking through him, and then mm-hmm. Dark says, like, "Screw this!" Omega beams, and seemingly just like that, Thomas Wayne from the Flashpoint uh, Dark Multiverse universe is gone. He's dead. Yeah, but we know what the Omega Sanction did to Bruce. You know, sent him hurtling through time. That's true. So. I almost feel like this is also written by Dennis Culver, who's going to be one of the writers on the Flashpoint book that's coming back mm. out. So I'm wondering if this is that back door to, to send him back home. I see. Because yeah. if you send him to darkness, to nothingness, that's where Flashpoint is now, you know, because um, it ceased to, to cease to be. Um, that makes some sense. Um, yeah. So... Darkseid takes the crack from <laughs> Doctor Multiverse, uh, and then I I know Williamson's a competent writer. I like most of what I read from Williamson. I refuse to believe that he couldn't find a better name, and he likes using it so we can call it the Multiverse's crack or Darkseid's crack. I, I, I think it, it makes him laugh. Even before this, though, Doctor Multiverse says, uh, "You know, I took the crack and put it inside yeah. me." Like you just lines like that like yeah like how can we not he, laugh at that yeah i feel like he's doing it on purpose because he's too good of a writer not to you know and there's editors and there's like there's better ways to phrase this he's like no no this is what we're doing because it's funny you know that's what i want to believe anyways yes uh so they all go to Earth seven because that's where uh the hand uh, the empty hand who works for the darkness is fighting mm-hmm. um you know that's that's where the rest of uh just like incarnate went um, yeah, that's where the House of Heroes crashed. Yeah. So they all go there. We get a big couple of pages. Darkseid stabs the Empty Hand with the crack. But it turns yeah. out that the Empty Hand wants crack and therefore is is super-powered by the crack. Yep. <laughs> you can say I'll the crack really all... sped them up. I'll come back and all is going on in Darkseid's crack again. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, Darkseid took the crack from Dr. Multiverse, so now he has the crack. But then he stabs the... Holding... 
Yeah. She was holding the crack. She more than holding. She she was she had she had consumed the crack and it was hiding there inside her. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, dark side pisses it off, and uh, they're basically like, "Oh, we have to find the rest of our team. We have to stop dark side." Mm-hmm. Doctor Multiverse gets all apologetic about kind of turning on them a little bit, but she does generally believe that that was the right thing to do was to try and let dark side win, and it's like, "Okay, let's find the rest of the team." But the final page is the rest of the team show up, and they're all infected by. Uh, the darkness, darkness, right? They're all inferred by uh, the evil. So, uh, next issue is the last issue. This this book. So, I presume it's going to be a big cliffhanger type thing because it's going to lead into Death of the Justice League, uh, yeah, or whatever. Maybe. Um, so, I mean, I th- I mean, I kind of like most of what this is trying to do and just try to contextualize where we're going. It's definitely overstuffed though, and I don't know if they need to kind of like do a full two-page layout for like all the major crisis yeah because uh, by the time it got to the later ones it was like oh my god you've been describing so many things that have every, happened every news article about this but this was like oh it completely recontextualizes every crisis it's the biggest oh. dc book in years they, 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 and i'm just like oh that's I'm that's like, the uh... clicks because most of the stuff we already knew. It recontextualizes it a little bit, and it like the one the one thing I kind of liked was just right back at the start of it, which is the mm-hmm. this idea that, um, you know, like Crisis on Infinite Earths was the darkness had infected the Anti Monitor to try and take everything away because it wanted existence well, to end. But right, because because the light had chosen the Monitor, right? So it yes. had to. It's it's this, it's also this thing that they talk about, and Pete's gonna hate this in, in Star Wars. And the whole cosmic force stuff. Oh, yeah, I don't care for this. What? No, no, no. But this is <laughs> this is what that is. Is the same with the light and the dark, and the dark chooses, you know, avatars, and the light rises up, and it's all very of that. So, well, but, um, but after it though, when it says, you know, the light and the dark kind of compromise, but just one universe, mm-hmm. so it wasn't as much right. existence. I like that part right. of it because it kind of like turns it into kind of like a sort of a parable feels, almost. It almost feels like the darkness is editorial. Yeah. But then it has to kind of like try and make it fit with every single. And I'm like, just just yeah. say that then throughout time, over and over again, the darkness infected more people, and is like the influence mm-hmm. of the darkness was making them do things. You didn't necessarily right. have to describe every crisis. Well, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then with that, it also leaves some for interpretation. Like that's what happened with Flashpoint, was that the darkness kind of won because Barry changed one thing, and it completely rewrote time and history well yeah because that was that was one of the know? things that um it says is that after final crisis the the darkness realized the main threat was superheroes because superheroes mm-hmm. were the thing that kept stopping them or not him but stopping it, right. it. Uh, and so the idea was is that that is the new 52 weakens the heroes because it takes away their right. history and makes them right. weak so it's like okay that's not a bad little thing yeah. to throw in but isn't that yeah. kind of what we got in in Doomsday Clock anyway. Well, it is, yeah, yeah, and it was better than Doomsday that. Clock. Yeah. Yeah. But... And that's why I said this feels very redundant, and and, and that's fine, because I know what Williamson's going for. I mean, this is very, you know... Like, we've got this for every kind of... Since... When was it where they decided that everything was canon? Was that at the end of Convergence? I can't remember. But it was like, Crisis of Infinite Earth happened, but it also didn't happen. And like we we've gone through this with metal and dark death metal and all these other ones, you know. So again, it just it feels like this is just what DC is right now. It's just a recap. Gonna, I mean, ultimately, yeah, it's, we're it's just most... gonna keep recapping the events of the DC universe it's every 
big story. It's mostly a recap. But don't get me wrong, I like a little bit of the recontextualization, just and not because I think it's better or anything necessarily than what it was without it, but just because, okay, you're making it fit a little bit into what's coming up and what they're doing soon. That makes sense. But it just, you know, it was just a bit too much, ultimately. Uh, yeah. And the back half is just kind of is, is what it's been. Um with that, the possible backdoor of, like, the, the, the maybe death of Flashpoint Batman, which is probably just leading to his part in the Flashpoint mini that's coming mm-hmm. up. Um, but yeah, so... It, it, it was an experience to read. I'll, I mean, I'll say that much. Hmm? So, <laughs> was it good? I mean, do you get to see Darkseid legitimately, or, like, actually stomped out? Yeah. That, that's how he goes out. And there's a lot um, of uh, crack being taken back and forth. and Yeah. I did like there was a line where where um, President Superman and Doctor Mul- Doctor Multiverse are are arguing about stuff, and Captain America's like, "Hey, we get it. You guys dated for a little bit. All right, let's let's get on the same page here." I thought that was pretty funny, um, but but yeah, yeah, and they are so all over the place because there's like too many artists, and it's, yep. it's changing constantly. So. Yeah. There's, there's very little to get attached to art style wise, and I wouldn't even necessarily say that any of it stuck out as being particularly notable. You know? No. Uh, so, there you go. What are you giving him, Matt? Um, yeah, there's a seven. That sounds about right for you. Uh, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go 6.5, I think. I think it's just a little bit too messy in places and. A bit overstuffed, even though I don't hate all the things that it's actually sort of try to set up or establish. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, all right. So next up, Monkey Prince issue one. Jin Lin Yang writing with Bernard Chang on the art. This is the new issue one. It's a limited series, and is the debut uh, origin, if you will, of of, of Monkey Prince. This yeah, character, because we got him in the the uh, one special last year. Yep. I forget the name of that one. Um, but that was just kind of like a a story with Monkey Prince. I mean, I didn't know too much about him, and it was it was pretty enjoyable. Um, yeah, this is more the actual, just starting off current day, this yeah. is the origin of this character. And um, did Were you aware of a Monkey Prince Zero that came out in October? No. <laughs> I was not, but I read it, because it was like okay. 10 pages. Um, and, and all it does is introduce the idea of the Monkey King into DC canon, where the quick version is um, Pigsy's telling Monkey Prince about this adventure that his dad, the Monkey King, had when Darkseid tried to in, invade that realm. And so you see all of these, I would guess, Chinese mytho- mythological characters fighting Darkseid and the Furies and... Um, Omega sanctions this, you know, big cow demon character um, that sets up a, a tragedy for a character named Red Boy, who seems to be a rival of Monkey King. Um, very it's same same creative team, it's Yang and, and Chang. So um, I don't say you have to go out of your way to read it, but it was a nice read. It'll probably be included on a trade or something. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh... So it sets up that he's passed when he was a kid because his parents are criminals and worked with mm-hmm. villains. Um, that Batman came hunting his parents one night in a stormy mm-hmm. night, and this night traumatized him. And now he's like scared of anything he associates with that night. So thunder, 
uh, stepping on like a cold bit of water because there was like puddles in the house. Um, obviously Batman scares the shit out of him. Um, mm. and Batman's not trying to scare him. He's actually, Batman's actually like, yells out something to the effect of, "There's a you have yeah. a kid staying with you here." As if he's like you know horrified that they would even have a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, I expect we're going to find out a bit more about it. We do see some of what they do later, but yeah, pandemic, they, but. they seem to be not just henchmen, but like scientist henchmen, you know, that work on, on things. Um, and he moved around a lot as a kid uh, because of his parents' profession. Yes, and that was pretty funny. Yeah, there's a little montage of like uh, him in Blue Haven, Opal City. Keystone, mm-hmm. uh, then back to yeah. Gotham. Uh, now that he's in high school, which is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a Billy. There's a Billy who refers to himself in the third person. He calls himself the Riz. Uh, look at here is the Miz Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never thought of it, but now you've said it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not many miles away. Uh, and there's so yeah, the the pig dude. Like, so he's actually like masquerading as a janitor at the school, uh-huh. and. Like some of his dialogue's a bit weird. Like he, like oh. he just talks about how hot uh, the, you know, our main character's mum is. Her her wide birthing hips. Yes, I was like, whoa, okay, all right. Uh, so so, I'll, I'll get the negative out here. The dialogue here is not what I'm used to with Yang, and it feels like not out of character because I don't know these characters, but it just it feels out of place. Um, there is some weirdness to it. There's some weird moments uh, of interaction that are kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for you know, after he's talked to the janitor, there's like these clouds of smell yeah. stuck stick around him, and his mum thinks he's smoking. And I'm like, yeah. is that what it smells like? Because like he doesn't. That's cause, a distinct smell. Yeah, because he keeps saying he smells like burp. Like it smells like he's burp. Right. And I'm like, and then and then mom's like, oh, if if you want to experiment with drugs, that that's okay. Maybe me, me, me and your dad will find something from a trustable, from a, a trusting source. And I was like, who is this mom? <laughs> like, um, I mean, she has a super villain or like a yeah, woman or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, offering your kid drugs so they can experiment. So to me, weird flex for a mom. Um, and just but combined with that, with with the, the pig guy with Pigsy and his dialogue. And you're just like, this is a weird book. Yeah, it, so the thing for me was that I thought it was generally okay, though. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the stuff with, like... You know, it had that kind of issue one Ultimate Spider-Man kind of vibe at times, mm-hmm. where it's like, we're interested in this character, his potential love interest in school that he's kind of scared to talk mm-hmm. to, the bully who wants to beat him up, like, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he eventually jumps in the pool, because that's what uh, Pigsy was trying to do to him. Yeah, gotta go through the water curtain. Yeah, and he ends up sort of like, almost going through, like, a, a portal, effectively, mm-hmm. uh, to wherever this is wherever the monkey king is <laughs> it's a heavenly realm there you go yeah. uh and pigsy there's in his actual pig form mm-hmm. and then you know he comes back out of the water as the monkey prince right and i think what i didn't like so much about it because they are very good because chang's very good and the full yeah. page spread of him jumping out of the water is good is that he seemed to just suddenly know how to fight is yeah. like i get that he's maybe got some confidence because he, he's, he's he's stronger he's faster and whatever else mm-hmm. but he, he he just seems to like know how to fight and he's doing flips and doing all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. i did love that this is the school that damien happens to be going to so i guess it's middle yep. school rather than high school actually now i think about it but uh but the, i love the idea that damien's in the locker room and he starts beating up the billies like hey shit batman there's uh some meta human stuff going on <laughs> down at the school mm-hmm. uh and the ending to me is so weird and just like so like i'm thinking okay 
superhero origin. He, he has all this extra strength, speed, and powers. He also has a tail and has all this extra hair. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is him. He'll be weirded out, but he'll sort of inadvertently like get in the way of and save someone from someone bad, right? That's typically what happens. And I'm not saying you have to copy the formula, but it, it was a bit weird to me that he just seems to know what he's doing. And then the end of the issue is that Batman throws a batarang at him uh, to just disarm him because he's holding like a weapon. And he mm-hmm. ends up decapitating Monkey Prince, yeah. which he's still alive. His head's still alive. Yeah. And so is his body. Because it sounds like next time his body and his head are going to be operating independently yeah. uh, as Batman's there trying to deal with him. So if, if you had a guess, do you think I, I dove into Monkey King lore to try to make heads and tails oh, of this? You, you, you didn't go and start reading the 100 forms, did you? Uh, no. No, no, no. I, I looked for web articles. Um which uh, I came across one of our Twitter followers. Um, he he said that Yang is doing a forward um, for for a new printing of Journey to the West, which heavily features. So I, I might order that compete, um, just just to read this this book. Um, but yeah, dude, Monkey King is is like man, the Lord that has come from that. Like most of Dragon Ball Z was inspired. By the Monkey King, I had no idea, and then you find out that in Japan, Monkey King's name is Son Goku, um, which you know just the only thing I know about Dragon Ball Z is Goku. I legitimately um, never heard of Monkey Prince or Monkey King until that story in the special last year. That was yeah, the first time. Like, um, do you remember? Like, I think it was last year. It might have been the year before. Now I can't remember exactly. That. Um, that game that kind of came out of nowhere. It, it was not released yet, but it was like all over the internet for like two or three days. There was like this, uh, this, this like a Chinese game. Uh, that had like amazing looking graphics, uh, and people were talking about it. It kind of came out, I can't, I'm completely blank on the name of it now, but it kind of came out of nowhere. And it was like a half hour gameplay demo of it that, that was up that people were like talking about a lot. Um, that was based on, uh, Journey to the West. So it had you like transforming into the different like forms. As part of the gameplay, I remember it, but like I feel like you probably would have seen it at the time because it was you know in your circles. Yeah, I I, I don't remember, but that yeah, there's just uh, clearly this is a really big story and a big part of mythology to a lot of people. But I, yeah, it's you know with with the Monkey King, I remember like certain kung fu movies would have the Monkey King character, who's kind of this roguish hero that fought with a staff and maybe sometimes wore a tail. But other than that, it looks like a human. So here, I like that Yang is making this like he's a monkey human in it. And I don't know if I read this in an interview or if it reminded me of it. it everything blurs together at this point. Um, but it, it kind of is like Shazam, where I feel like the monkey prince and our, our main guy, that they're kind of one and the same, like Billy and Shazam are. But, you know, when he becomes Shazam, he has a different skill set that he just couldn't do things, you know, mm. um, versus, you know, uh, when he's Billy. So here, I, that's why I feel like Monkey Prince, when he pops out of, of from that area fully formed and he's able to fight, I feel that's just the Monkey Prince character and the kid sharing. Because I, I feel like there's going to be more to this. So, you, so you're saying it's more like a different character that he turns into? Kind of, kind of in that where how how Billy is kind of operating inside Shazam or Captain Marvel, whichever version we're saying, that he's still aware of everything that's going on, but he's not really him. 
That's how I kind of feel with Monkey Prince. Well, it depends on the version, because I feel like I have yeah. read... I, I mean, I've definitely yeah. read Shazam slash Captain Marvel, where he is just him, and he's, st- he's learning how to use yeah. the powers like a yeah. normal superhero um, would, yeah. But yeah, and, and I think... I think Billy Batson was name dropped in the maybe that's where I'm getting this from, in in that first story <clears throat> that we had in the special. Um, I'm not sure, but but no, I mean this is a pretty likable book. I am gonna check out to see where it goes. I don't know if I'm committed to the full series as as of yet. Um, but issue two for sure. Yeah, it's a weird one because I I think it's generally well put together, but there is some weirdness to it. And I'm not sure. I mean, if it keeps coming out in a quieter week, yeah, I'll maybe try mm-hmm. another issue or two and see see how it goes. Uh, but I'm I'm not like instantly like in love with it for yeah. sure. So yeah, I I will say I really liked it, but it definitely has some huge. I don't say red flags. It's not really red flags, but there are definitely it, it's the most some amber flags. Hesitant, yeah. No, it's been the most hesitant of a Yang book I've been. You know, because like New Superman, I completely in on based off of his Superman work before, and then his Batman Superman, I, I really enjoyed and Terrifics. Um, so this I jumped at because it's Yang writing, you know, at DC again, and then it just was this very weird book, almost by design, and I don't know how it's going to read month to month. Like this might be great in a trade, you know, because we're we're gonna at the pace that it comes out. But as of right now, like. How do you come back from a decapitation when we know nothing about his power set? I mean, I think it's, I think it's notable that New Superman is the only Yang book that I've read till the end. Every other one that I've, even though mm-hmm. I've kind of liked them, I've always kind of dropped off because they never feel mm-hmm. like priority reading. So yeah. this feels more important because it's focused on a character who's not anywhere else. It's not just some wacky Superman Batman team up. It's not mm-hmm. just uh, continuing to refix past Lemire's exit. This is something that presumably is a bit more devoted to, and it's got an ending as well because it's a limited series. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess it's the first time since New Superman it feels like this is a Yang story. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not in love with this like I was New Superman. Certainly not yet. Yeah. So yeah. You know, just uh, for the record, I went and googled that game just in case people mm-hmm. were wondering. Yeah. Uh, it's called uh, Black Myth Wukong. Well, and Wukong's the name of the Monkey King. I don't mm-hmm. recognize that title at all. Yeah, if you Sun look Wukong. it up at some point, and there was a big like 13 minute gameplay, is how long apparently it was. You probably saw some of it when it came out. So yeah. you, know, you might recognize it if you saw a part of the gameplay. I'll tell you where for it. But uh, yeah. All right, Matt, we give a Monkey Prince. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Okay. Uh, I'll go. Probably just a straight 7, I think, for me. Uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, that'll take us on to Arkham City, The Order of the World, Issue 5, Dan Waters writing with Danny on art. And uh, this, you know, I always appreciate a nice structure in a book. And I think this has a nice simple structure where it sort of bounces back and forth between our doctor at Dr. Phosphorus's place, having some dinner mm-hmm. and going out of her mind a little bit. Uh, to the apparent ghost of Amadeus Arkham, although we now know it's a patient, uh, basically recruiting and breaking out all of the patients who are in the hospital that have been gathered mm-hmm. there. And there's some good creepy moments that come from that. 
everything oh, with the ten-eyed man in this issue is pure gold. Oh yeah, the ten-eyed mm-hmm. man saying to the the nurse or whoever it is, uh, "Do you have any spare eyes?" Before you know, and then it cuts. You know, we go to a new scene, right? I know. So I'm guilty of saying cuts to in a comic all the time when I, you know what I mean. <laughs> we go to a yeah. different scene, uh, but that 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 transition of "Do you have any spare eyes?" and I'm like. That's a really creepy thing to say. So the fact that she and actually... he's like crawling on the floor towards towards her as well. Like it's it's not just like mm-hmm. out and uh, you know a regular person saying it. And the fact that she actually does show up later and you see that she, her eyes have been taken and he's walking with two eyes in his hand is like okay, that's a super creepy. So, that, and... so so then when he does it, when he threatens the same thing again to this to the child, you know the cop's son, it's like oh shit, like and the way the eyes are taken as well, that they're, they're not like empty pits it's just like there's skin over them yeah it's like the same way how he reached and took the jaw in like the first or second issue yeah uh so not really is creepy as shit really creepy visuals doing a lot of stuff here uh doctor lady's starting to like really question what she's doing and question her own sanity question her own mm-hmm. sanity the others are, aren't being super helpful and she's like no we need to go to a hospital I mean, you go to a hospital uh, after Asriel tries to like, attack them and Vampire Lady bites him. It's like, okay, we have to take him to the hospital. Come on, we have to go. And they're not, <laughs> and they're not happy about it, but they go to the hospital. And the big thing is, basically, is when they get to the hospital, they, they, they get there just as Ted eyed man's out there and like almost going to take this kid's eyes. And yeah. basically, she looks up and sees the, the cop looking down at her uh, and basically has this like self-realization where... For the first time, she's feeling the uh, the the resentment and the fear and the, the word she uses a couple of times is disgust. The, the disgust, mm-hmm. yeah, of people and how they look at like the you know the inmates of Arkham and how she feels like. She, and this actually makes her say, "No, let's not go to the hospital. Let's you know go follow wherever Ghost Lady wants to take us." <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. uh, so and they do meet up with the other patients uh, with the Amadeus Arkham Ghost and. She's leading them into the sewers to a new Arkham, and the book ends with them arriving at Professor Pig's place, where he's going to make them all perfect. Because Pig was the big reveal at the end of the last issue. Yeah. So. Um, and so the, the character masquerading as, as Arkham is said no to be face. No Face. Yeah. No Face, that's it, yeah. Which I can't find anything from, but I feel Waters does a good job at just giving us a quick beat that there is a person in, in Gotham that can change their appearance. They're kind of a shapeshifter but they also shift their personality to whoever they glom onto so like if no face was around one of the doctors they tended to be more you know compassionate versus if they had glommed onto one of the the um people in the asylum it, it could end up being trouble yeah which, she's, and here they are glommed onto pig. Pig. yeah uh, because she says so. here as well that uh she she the, because she she did kind of take after the mm-hmm. the the doctors and nurses that she actually went on like what like did the rounds with them sometimes mm-hmm. because she'd be helpful because she'd feel how they feel about what they're doing um but obviously things have went uh awry yeah <laughs> and now she's yeah. working for professor pig yeah and so just that ending with pig that's to me such a horror movie ending like pig reminds me of leatherface a lot sure um just this physically imposing, you know, scary as all hell bat villain. And we don't have too many really of those. So that ending where 
it's pigs, whatever that factory or whatever. Cherry Hill Slaughter and Meatpacking. Yeah. Which is, which is very Leatherface as well. The idea you just yeah, that, that might have been where the Leatherface yeah. was coming from, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, Matt. Just a quick side note: since you said that, uh, have you seen uh, the trailer for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I have, and I really want to see it, but I also understand it could be very, very bad. Um, the buzz is not good, but. Uh, I do love a bunch of people with their smartphones saying, you can't do anything, Leatherface, we've got you on camera. Yeah. And then Leatherface is like, nah, F this, I'm going to murder you all. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so I've only ever seen the original, the remake, and then Texas Chainsaw okay. uh, with Daddario in it. Do I need to go and check out some of the other ones? I would say... Or just go into this one, because this one's out in, like, two weeks. I mean, two's worth or... watching, but, I mean, the new one's just a sequel to the original. It's ignoring everything else. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because like... because the the Texas Chainsaw continuity is so stop, start, yeah. and convoluted at this point. E- even by horror franchise standards. Yeah, even even by Halloween standards, you know, which, which, you know, has all the multiple timelines. I feel like Texas Chainsaw, I just know one of them I, has... I actually just talked to Tim about this. Halloween, yeah. at the very least, every time it started a new branch, had at least a couple of movies, so there is, like, branches yeah. where there's multiple right. directions to go. Right. Texas Chainsaw, every time they do a new sequel or prequel that's hey, maybe yes. not be connected to anything else, it doesn't work, it's not successful, and they start again <laughs> the yeah. next time. So it's just um, lots of stop-starts. Yeah, so I just, I, I had always, I you know, it always was a, as a, a blind spot for me in the horror Um Especially that first one doesn't do much for me. Like it, it's fine, um, but yeah, this trailer though. Um, then I was disappointed that it's it's produced by Fidi Alvarez, not directed. Um, so, um, oh we'll yeah, see. Well, but, it'd be better if it was directed by him. Behave. Yeah, like so. Anyway, Pig, scary, like imposing, and we haven't really had much of Pig. Like what two panels, and already feels menacing. Yeah, I mean, that's so, part of the charm, is you, you yeah. can kind of just build up to Pig and, like, just just the reveal that it's Pig that's behind it, you kind of, you get what he's going to try to do, because that's who the, yeah. the character is. That might be my favorite Grant Morrison creation at this point, is, is Professor Pig. I mean, it's not a bad choice. I mean, I like yeah. Professor Pig a lot. I'm, I'm yeah. always there for Professor Pig. Uh... I mean, obviously, it's continuing its creepy vibes that the books had the entire time. Uh, the Danny art, obviously, is still very mm-hmm. specific in how it, how it portrays things. Um, and this was the penultimate issue, so you know we're we're here to see how it wraps up. And it, it feels like a penultimate issue in that the the Doctor, she's kind of like, okay, she's gone through most of her journey from. Yeah. Okay. I know. I'm. I'm the doctor. Right? You know. I. I understand. You know. I'm. I'm going to look after these patients too. Kind of. I'm one of them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's. You know. She. She's yeah, there, okay. ready for just the ending now. Well, I mean, you also have that mirroring thing. We were dealing with this no face character who mimics and feels like the people she latches onto, and that's kind of what's happened to the doctor. She's become one of the patients. I mean, not necessarily from the start of this book. Maybe just from the start of her career as being a doctor. The more time she spent around them, the more. She's gra- you know gradually drifted towards being just like them, yeah. um, so there's some story stuff in there that that works and, um, but yeah, let's go see how it wraps up now and see see kind of what the final points mm-hmm. it makes us. So. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you guys talked me into going back and catching up because I had skipped because it was on a week that I wasn't here, so um, I'm glad because this book has has been a nice little 
Uh, it's different from everything else you're reading, which is yeah. It's like it's a nice change up. You know, I, I get excited the weeks that it comes out. Um, since I read it, it digitally, it doesn't feel can... like a DC book, does it? No, I mean it does because we're dealing with Gotham and all right. These but I mean, things, like but in the, the it's style, it doesn't feel yeah. like most of the DC books. It feels like something that would be published at you know somewhere else. Like I just said, like a it feels like a creator. It feels like a story. Vertigo. Yeah, it feels like a Vertigo book from from yeah. back in the day. Um, but yeah, but since I get it digitally, I, I read it um, basically same day. So on Tuesday, it's one of the first things I read, um, and I get excited when I see it sitting there. So no, that's good. All right, Matt, what are you giving it? I'm going to give this an 8.5. There you go, Car. Yeah, same. Okay, I'm going to be the mean one and just give it a straight 8 then, apparently. But, uh, uh, good. All right. Um, Patreon books then uh, to get to. Car, you can start off. Uh, so, everyone to patreon.com slash TV. Uh, one of the higher tiers, yeah, you can make myself or Connor read a book, and Connor's going to talk about Undiscovered Country, issue 18. Take it away. Yeah, it's the uh, end of this arc in the uh, the zone of possibility. And a lot of it is a fight, which is cool. Uh, we ended last issue with them using the creation engine, anything engine, I think is what they're calling it, but, um, to create like a bunch of superhero versions of themselves to fight the army of the Crossroads Devil. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a good handful of pages of, of that fight going on, and it all looks great. But, you know, nothing, nothing to complain about there. Uh, you know, very enjoyable stuff. Um, but the, the drum set, the drum set that wanted the song insists on um, a, giving, giving them a, a song. You know, that was the condition of, of them using the machine. And, and then uh, he used it to create. You know, the the army instead, um, and this is where it, you know this is where it really delves into again the idea of America, you know, just leeching off of other things, you know, to create its own identity, uh, because it's like, oh, you know, it needs to be a song that I don't know, I, I've never, you know, it has to be it's something completely new to me. Um, so he gives it this song, and he says, you know, his mother used to sing uh, at bedtime, and we see a part of it. It's I, I, I can't remember what country I think it's from. I think it's I think I want to say Kenya, that was somewhere in the book. I'm assuming it's it's Kenyan, but yeah, this this kind of uh, African style, you know, old song, right? And um, then you know the the yeah the drum sets like ah oh, yeah perfect this this will do nicely, and uh, it goes oh I, I can I can drop a beat behind this add some guitar you know maybe a horn break some strings for the the outro for today's audiences and then it goes oh I can turn this into something special, and. Uh, you know, he goes, you know, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, don't worry about the army. I'll, I'll, I'll hold them off. You know, it's the least I can do after you, you, you get, you know, after the gift you gave me. And he says, you know, I didn't give you anything. You took it. And it's again, you know, this is very clear. This idea of America, it, it kind of takes these, these ideas from other cultures and it, you know, appropriates them and, ch and changes them to the, the current cultural perception of what American, you know, uh, content is. And repackages it, and it's just like this is ours now. It's it, it it's basically colonialism in a nutshell. Is is essentially what this two three pages does. Um, but it's very effective. A uh, bit more of them fighting. Uh, the Crossroads Devil tells George Washington to go and get stuck in. He's like, hey, go, you know, go go make them fight because I don't I don't care about our losses. You just need to get them. 
Uh, you, you don't even need all of them. You can kill some of them. As long as we get one or two of them, we're good. And then Washington's like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll go pass along the orders. And he goes, no, no, you're a soldier, aren't you? And he's like, well, I'm a general, but yeah, well, off you go then. Go and fight. So, you know, Crosses that was really fun. Um, but they, they get away. They, they, they basically just like, hey, call in some of the superhero duplicates of themselves and like, hey, can you, you know, just fly us out of here? So, so they do. They just fly back to the ship where Sam is, who immediately betrays them <laughs> because uh, turns out Sam is, is working for the Crossroads Devil. I, I don't know if he always was. I don't quite get that impression. I think it's just this version of Sam in this world was corrupted by the Crossroads Devil because, you know, he's a, he's a smooth talker and, you know, that, that's, that's what he does and convinces him that nothing's going to happen in this place. You, you, you're never going to get through. Aurora's broken. Even with this one anything engine, it's not going to be enough to make a masterpiece to get through. And you haven't got people who are special enough to make a masterpiece because these, you know, six characters, you know, six people, that they're just, you know, regular people. They, they aren't going to create an American masterpiece. So you're never going to get through. So you may as well stay and, you know, just keep the engine for ourselves. And, uh, that, that, you know, the, the Crossroads Devil just comes and shows up and starts again trying to convince them that, yeah, you know, just do our thing, you know, and just just work with me. You know, you we, you don't need Aurora. You don't need to go through the zone. She can just use the engine, create what you need and create things for us and it'll all be nice. And and they are tempted again. But uh, this, is, this is where they start figuring out maybe who, who this Crossroads Devil is. There's, there's some implication that it might be Teddy Roosevelt. Or that he made, a, or Teddy Roosevelt was very heavily inspired by the Crossroads Devil. I don't know which way around they're saying it was. Like, I don't know if the implication is he made a deal with him, and that's where he comes from, or if this version of the Crossroads Devil is him. I can see Matt perking up. Mm -hmm. um, basically, you know, he's talking, and one of them points out, goes, "You know, you're a hell of a negotiator." It's like, I, I, you know, your technique really reminds me of one of this uh, this country's most notorious former leaders. And then the uh, the quote the uh, speak softly, and uh, and the, the cross devil finishes off. And he goes, yeah, but, but you know, but carry a big stick, and uh, just enough that the, there's these parallels. Going like, well, may, maybe he is mm -hmm. as well, or is inspired by, or he inspired him in in this history. But no, I, I like that stuff. Um, and they throw the creation engine out. They're like, all right, well, if it's not going to work, and, and we can't have it, you can't either. Uh, so he leaves. He's like, well, you know where to find me. You know, just, just, just call. I'll be close. And uh, and then the sea parts. There's a hole, and they start falling through. And they don't understand what's happening at first. The, but it's um, it's kind of the next zone. Like Sam, the next version of Sam, uh, like rescues them. He's like, eh, sorry about that. We kind of uh, lost track of you in there a little bit because th this zone. It was cut off from the rest of Aurora intentionally because creativity requires this pure freedom and oversight from interference. So we couldn't interfere with it. So we had to just kind of let it go wild. And clearly that kind of got our hand. Uh, yes, that's what happens when you don't have editorial oversight, people. Things <laughs> get bad. Uh, but yeah, but then um, Destiny Man shows up again and kills Sam again. And he's like, hey, you're going to work with me now. And they're like, why would I do that? Why, why would any of us work with you? You're, you're a villain. And uh, he pulls off his helmet, and it turns out he is actually 
a third grave sibling. He, so, you know, the, the main two that came back, uh, he is their younger brother. And they're like, yeah, no, 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 we, we don't have a brother. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, our parents, they were here in America for a, a, a good amount of time after you left. They, they had another kid. It's as simple as that. Um, but uh, Aurora, it, it's trying to fight back, and it's the, this is the end of the arc, and it, this is where it comes, it separates them, and they seem to be scattered throughout history. They're in like two or three groups, like three different groups, it seems. Potentially two. There's three panels, but we don't see what the middle one is. Um, so I don't know if they are split into three or if it's just, if that's just a visual representation of the middle one is like, oh, they're going to go into either or. Um, but on the left is like history, you know, you, and then on the right is uh, uh, hegemony. And it's what well, on the left is like this kind of, you know, Civil War era style thing. And on the right is this. Uh, future seemingly American dictatorship, you know, one world with an American flag and Pax Americana. Uh, and uh, you know, the, the next style is called Disunity. Uh, I'm very excited to see again what this does. Uh, I do think as an issue, if it gets a bit lost in the weeds of like, okay, this is the end of the arc, we need to wrap this up. And it it loses some of the, the flow that this arc's had, especially this arc where it's been kind of in this creation. It kind of felt like, ah, oh, we kind of need to get back to the story now. And it, it was a little bit lacking because of that, but also still playing with a lot of the same ideas, uh, still setting up some interesting stuff. Not 100% sure how keen I am on another, just, you know, oh, let's throw in a long lost brother, kind of. It's, you know, not, not the best of tropes, but in context, there's no, there's no reason why it shouldn't work because, it, you know, logically it all lines up. So I'll, I'll wait and see how it plays out. Um, I'll give this a seven. Okay. Mm. All right. My Patreon book then for the week is Animal Man issue 16. Um, last issue was kind of the standalone story with the, the fishies and the, the, the dolphins, if you remember that. Mm -hmm. um, this time, we kind of kick off with uh, Ellen gets news that her book's going to be published and but he's like, oh, we got to celebrate, so, uh, we, we got to go, we got to go to, to Paris, uh, the kids have been taken care of, we'll go to Paris, we'll have a day. Uh, but this issue, as well, they're in Paris, it just happens to be the same time that, um, a villain has went back on the loose, um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the villain now from later on the issue, the time... Okay, in a minute. Uh, but basically, they end up having like random things from the past showing up. Uh, dinosaurs show up. Uh, I think at one point uh, they say oh, Time Commander. That's it, Time Commander. Um, not a character I'm familiar with before now. I must say. Uh, I, I was wondering if we're going to get some sort of weird version of a Clock King or something because when he's introduced and he's kind of freaking out, uh, or not freaking out. It's kind of the opposite. He's kind of like straightening up, basically, and kind of coming to his senses, because he's remembering who he is. It kind of mixes the panels of him, like, getting more confident with, um, a broken clock reforming and all the parts coming back together, uh, and the idea that he's coming back alive. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff this issue, though, because, uh, Buddy takes Sue through, uh, sorry, not Sue, Ellen. So, so, Sue's there in a second, which is why I'm mixing her names up, uh, because Ralph and Sue are there. Uh, but they, they go through the teleporters uh, to get to Paris, 
and they run into the elongating man, obviously, his wife, and also Metamorpho, and she freaks out because she sits in a chair, which turns out to be Metamorpho, and it's it's all kind of wacky and stuff. I think what stuck out to me about this issue and what I liked about it, uh, all on the main point that it gets to by the end, is you, you got you've got Buddy and Ellen kind of talking about the relationship, and she he's like, oh, I'm sorry if that was weird how we got here, and those those characters I hang about with, I know they're kind of wacky. And she's like, I don't want normal buddy. I married you because I like weird. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I didn't marry a dentist. Felt weird she's picked a dentist specifically for that. But uh, <laughs> I didn't marry a dentist. Uh, but that's when the dinosaur shows up and there's a bit of an action scene. And it's fun stuff. Um, but why? And the other characters show up and they kind of team up to deal with things. And they basically realize, oh, it has to be this guy, the time commander. He's just out and about. And they go find him at the cemetery. And we see him there, and he actually sort of de-ages like a woman who's there to visit her husband's grave, and her husband comes back. So he's actually kind of doing kind of kind of sweet things. But what I liked about this, and what I was getting out of it, is that once he starts doing stuff, this guy loves being who he is. He loves being the time commander. Uh, when he brings this husband back from the dead, kind of, right? And, uh, you know, via time shenanigans... There's the art does this great thing where he's he's got this pose where he's holding out he's got like an hourglass as part of his outfit he's, he looks he looks a little like our man actually with different colors but he holds out his uh his hourglass and he's he's got this his other hands up in there he's doing like a sort of pose very theatrical and he's got a big smile on his face it's like he loves doing this uh he's he's thrilled by it. obviously he's put people in danger and stuff but he he mentioned when he arrived at the cemetery that he could see a, an image of himself lying on the ground with a broken nose. So he kind of, he's kind of aware that things might happen. So when the heroes show up and they fight, he'll metamorpho trap someone with his fingers, almost like they're a cell. Um, and they, 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 you know, there's just some wacky stuff going on. Uh, ultimately, metamorpho smashes his hourglass, and that kind of puts a stop to his powers. Um, but Buddy actually comes up to him, and Time Commander's like, you know, ready to fight. He's like. Look, just because I'm wearing an outfit doesn't mean I'm ready to fight. Um, and he's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's like, well, okay, you, you, you know, you, you got your hands all over a bunch of stuff, but like maybe, you know, you're doing all right. Um, but he basically kind of starts to listen to him and starts to communicate with him. And Metamorpho comes up and after he smashed the hourglass, just punches him in the face, <laughs> even though Buddy says, no, wait, Metamorpho, wait, don't hit him. And he punches him anyway, and the guy looks genuinely terrified as Metamorpho is coming towards him, and he has tears coming from his eyes as Metamorpho just punches him anyway. And then the, the mood kind of changes, and Metamorpho says, "Oh, what, what, what did I do? What, what did I do wrong? I, I beat the bad guy up. That's fine." So there is kind of a nice sentiment here in this: is that this guy is, you know, perhaps mentally ill, is perhaps a little disturbed. But he's not actually this villain who wants to hurt people. He's actually, in his own weird way, trying to help. And Buddy tries to talk to him, tries to communicate with him. And yeah, sure, they had to stop him using his power, right? They absolutely did. But like, there's no need for the for the the punch afterwards. And Buddy's like trying to communicate with him, and it it kind of feels like um, you know, like. The, the general idea of like rather than being aggressive if you think like a, a police officer 
being too aggressive or threatening instead of actually trying to like talk someone down or calm them down or trying to understand who they're dealing with uh, it kind of felt like a bit of commentary on that and that type of scenario and this idea that buddy is more compassionate and does try to like talk to to people so you know and we do have him just lying there uh on the ground so it's, it's got this kind of like sad little ending to what is otherwise quite a wacky story and i think that's partly why i like that earlier art so much with him where he does seem to be enjoying what he's doing is that it's a different type of vibe because he doesn't just feel evil but when you get to the point where you start to feel a little bit sorry for him and it's like ah oh, no like he's he's, he's he's harmless kind of i mean he's not really because you know the, there was a dinosaur in the middle of the street in paris uh on Harry Housing Avenue, no less. <laughs> um, I noticed that street sign. I mean, I didn't say mm-hmm. Avenue. It was it was like some French words oh. then, Harry Housing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, yeah, there was danger and stuff. Uh, I liked the little detail that after they had the big fight with the dinosaur and it smashes up some cars, it's like time rewinds and all the damage goes back to, to being away. And like, there's a couple of civilians who are like, well, at least we'll have to clean up again after this superhero fight. <laughs> Because normally, you know, they have to go in and fix things and clear debris and replace. You know, then you said it would be other words that were like French words. Yes. Haven't you already be French? That, that sounds like it's very French in origin. Yeah, but it wasn't the French word in this case. I wasn't saying Avenue wasn't a French word. I was saying there was French words. All right. You are like, oh, not not Avenue, but you are like French words. Some other French words. What the difference does it make? None. Just to could have been Avenue. It wasn't Avenue. <laughs> I would recognize Avenue. It was words that I don't recognize. Okay. What do you Fine. want from me? Speak French is what I want from you. I'm not going to speak French. Are you kidding me? Let's <laughs> <laughs> have to try. Don't be daft. Rudy Harryhausen. There you go. I'll speak French. You're supposed to explain this to me. This is your job. R-U-E and then D-E and then Harryhausen. That sounds like road to me. Maybe maybe it is, yeah. It's road of Harryhausen. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like a really weird road to go down. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of stop motion skeletons and clay monsters and whatever else. Maybe maybe it's fun. Uh, It sounds like a a section of a theme park, doesn't it? uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Also, there's a character in this I really know who's... He's not there initially, but he's there when uh, the dinosaur's there. It comes with Metamorpho and Elongated Man. Some dude, it looks like a robot suit. Uh, and they call him Dimitri. Oh, um... Rocket Red? Rocket Red, yeah. Oh, okay, that's who this is. Alright. Okay. He's got a bit of a weird speech pattern, I'll say. Yeah, because he's... The, the best part about him was he's part of the Soviet Union in the United States, so he's constantly calling people and, you know, capitalist pigs. Comrade. And, yeah, and comrade. And he speaks in a bro- broken Russian. Yeah. 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 Read re- re- JLI. It's fun. He's in there. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Uh, do you know, I, so, you know, I complimented the art and just how much he liked things. But he's actually, the, the characters are very expressive because even when he gets scared or when he gets worried or angry, it's also very expressive. I think it's a very expressive art uh, from this, this issue in particular. Um. I assume I assume we're back to just uh, the regular artist on this. It looks like the same art, um, but I had a good time with it. Uh, 
There was a tease at the end. Ellen and Buddy are in a restaurant and they're saying, hey, you know, you're I'm in the Justice League and you're getting a book published. The kids aren't screwed up yet. Like, things are working out all right. And then the final couple panels is there's someone in the car watching them. So it's teasing things to come. Uh, there is a small moment as well where Buddy tries to, like, bring up, like, oh, did anything weird happen, like, right before I get teleported to Africa? <laughs> and she's like, I don't really remember what happened right before then. Okay, all right. So it, it is remembering some of the weird stuff that it set up that uh, we've not quite got to yet. So, no. Good. Yes. So, no. It's all this year. And, and, well, it's still relatively standalone, uh, and does have its own sort of little message with the villain that it's got this issue, which a lot of these issues had, you know. I, I don't think this is as strong, but it is reminding me a little bit of the, uh, the the villain who was trying to commit suicide by jumping off the building earlier on. That was like one of the early issues. It was, it was giving me some of those vibes in terms of like its uh, style. It's very much um, moral parables. Uh, yeah. It's kind of what this, this book is. Yeah. This run from Morrison. But it does have the characters referencing, pre, you know, recent events and kind of like speculating as to where things are going to go. So it still feels like it's tying into like the overall story and feels like part of a run. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, what's held? No, uh, happy eight out of ten, I would say, on this issue. So, very good. Uh, so that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week for it panel slash moment, favorite cover, uh, favorite artist, and uh, of course, top five books of the week. So, we will start off with panel slash moment. Matt, what you got? Hmm, I should have thought about this more <laughs> instead of I was, uh... looking at your. I don't know, football game, social uh, media or something. Yeah. There's, there's I, a I, lot I, of, I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there's a lot of drama going on in the local wrestling scene, and I'm trying to piece it together like Columbo, and I'm missing some key pieces. So I was cross-referencing different things. I, I, I was just yeah. seeing parts of the current British political nonsense going mm. on, and the image from the Times, a pretty respectable, you know, newspaper. Mm-hmm. The uh, the image on their like their headline article that, that that I just saw tweet across is uh Boris Johnson dressed as uh, uh Elsa from Frozen <laughs> uh, with Jacob Rees-Mogg as uh, as Olaf uh-huh. huh? you know this this isn't what we've been reading on Twitter uh yeah, section no but this was so bizarre that I was like what am I looking at yeah all right Matt um I'll I'll go from the from the backup of Detective Comics when it's uh revealed that the kid's going with Penguin yeah, that's a really good reveal. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Car? Oh, I'm going with a... Excuse me, do you have any spare eyes? <laughs> uh, that is a good one. I think I am leaning probably more towards uh, Psycho Pirate. Uh, yeah. Charlie Day? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of including both like him under the desk and then the next page when he's like try to control everyone in the monitors. It's just mm-hmm. that general vibe of that scene yeah. more than anything. But, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, Alright, best cover of the week. Uh, Al will kick us off with this one. Uh, there's a few good ones this this time. I think the main cover for Batman's really nice. Uh, I will mm-hmm. say, bizarrely, uh, probably one of my least favourite Matina covers on Batman this week. Usually I love his covers, but I wasn't super into the one they did uh, on Batman. But I think it's because it shows so much of the face and Martina doesn't usually do a lot of faces. Maybe that is it. I don't know. Uh, but I do 
also like the regular detective cover with Psycho Pirate looks quite nice, but my pick has to be the variant for Arkham City with Professor Pig and No Face. That is a beautifully horrific horror cover. Mm. Mm-hmm. Love it. I mean, the regular cover is actually really nice in a very, you know, more spooky Stylist. way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that that Professor Pig and No Face cover with where she's like putting on the glove and the meat hooks are tanging. Yeah, this looks great. Uh, that is Derek Chu, that cover, just for the record. So that's my pick. Uh, Matt, what you got? I'm going to Dark Knights to Steel, the regular cover, because once you know what's about the story, or what the story's about, it's all kind of right there. Sure. Yeah. Carl? Uh, that was real nice. I'm going to mention, I know, I know, see, I already feel Pete is going to hate this cover, but the, uh, the, very colourful one for Batman. I don't know which artist is this. I need to have a look. Uh, Dan Hip. Um, I don't know. It's very I kind of like it. Yeah. It, it, it grabbed me. But I think I'm going to go just with the uh, the Arkham City, but the main cover. I, I get why the variant is so appealing. But just I think just the, the raw simplicity and kind of the mystery behind, you know, of the, the main cover just uh, appeals to me more. I mean, some of those main covers have been my picks in past issues. Uh, yeah, they've, they've been great, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, best art of the week, then, Connor. Oh, I can see. That is Danny, right. just, just easily. Uh, I... Yeah, well... Yeah. Detectives... Detective's very good, but yeah. it doesn't have a it doesn't have the flair that stands out that you know, sets nah. it apart from other books. Detective's the only one that I'd maybe consider. Yeah. Batman's too, even though I love some of the art in Batman, it's too back and forth. Incarnate's even worse in that respect. Uh, yeah, yeah, Arkham say. Yeah, I guess that's an easy pick this week, Matt. Uh, no shots for Monkey Prince, but I'm, I'm not gonna pick that. I'm I'm gonna go with Detective. That's right because. Mostly because the backup, because I'm loving that Blanco story. Oh, Blanco, but, yeah. But yeah, the the main art too uh, is uh, Max Rayner. Um, from I'm trying to remember what book I've I've seen his name attached to. Um, but it's always been good. It's always been decent. So, yeah. We need to get him on a Kale Kale Rayner book, a Green Lantern mm-hmm. book. Yeah, Rayner Rayner. He did some Batman and the Outsiders. Ah, right. there we go. Probably it. That's probably it. Done quite a lot of DC stuff over, you know, since Star Rebirth, to be honest. I bet when he was doing Batman and Outsiders, he felt like a downgrade because the the other issues were Dexter's side. (laughs) So he probably like, oh, it's just Max Rayner did. (laughs) So I did some Batman Superman issues. I don't know which ones, but like, let's say, you know, all over the place. It's all a comparative thing. It's all, it's like I say, I I usually love Yannon's work and praise it endlessly, but. Was, in context of yeah. this particular book. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, that's the whole thing. Oh. All right. Yeah. Top five books of the week, Matt. On you go. Uh, number one is Dark Knights of Steel. Number two is Detective. Number three is Arkham City. Number four is Batman. Number five is Monkey Prince. Connor? Uh, so Arkham City at one. I think detective at two, and it's 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 the the backup dragging it to the second spot over over the third, which will be Dark Knights of Steel, and then 
then Batman. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that's it. All right. Yeah. Uh, the title's my number one. Number two is Batman. Number three is Arkham City. Number four, Dark Knights of Steel. Number five, Monkey Prince. The one good thing about me noting down these ratings, which I'm still doing for the record, I've not forgotten, uh, is that I can look at my ratings as I'm doing that. <laughs> it makes oh, it easy. That's, that's why I always do anyway. Because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I rate all my own things for my own yeah. system, so I just, just glance over every time. Yes, it does make my life a little bit easier. Uh, so there you go. I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So coming up, we do, of course, have Detective Comics 1052. We have the Justice League 2022 Annual Issue 1. We have Batman Catwoman Issue 10. The Joker Issue 12. Superman Son of Kal-El Issue 8. Batman Urban Legends Issue 12. Batgirls Issue 3. Harley Quinn, the animated series The Eat Bang Kill Tour Issue 6. That's such a long title. You know what? I'm just... Yep. Stop it. Uh, I Am Batman Issue 6. Future State Gotham Issue 10. Titans United Issue 6. Black Manta Issue 6. Suicide Squad Blaze Issue 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Batman Scooby Doo Mysteries Issue 11. Pennyworth Issue 7. And Strange Love Adventures Issue 1, which is the big Valentine's uh, anthology book that they do every year these days. Um... It's no, I mean, Strange Love is obviously a one shot, so it doesn't really mean anything for that because it just means people have not added it in advance. But you, you know that your book's not super successful or popular when, and I'm talking about Pennyworth here, when it's yeah. ranking under the Batman Scooby Doo mysteries on League of Comic Geeks for pulls. <laughs> oh, is that what order this goes in? Yeah, it's just yeah. how many people on the website have pulled it. Yeah. But a lot of people don't pull issues until they're out and they go to add them. That's yeah. why issue ones tend to be quite low down, even yes. though. I am willing to bet more people will read Suicide Squad Blaze than yeah probably probably than say like Black Manta issue six just because it's you know number one yeah yeah and also I'm I'm personally gonna check that out I don't know about you guys but I mean Cyberia yeah. uh, I, yeah, I have no strong feelings it's, it's a quieter week to be honest so maybe I will check it out yeah I think we've between us we've only got about six books one of them admittedly is uh, Urban Legends which I mean I think I'm reading two stories from so that's like double but yeah, so that Ram V. Ram V also has a story in uh, the love. Yeah, but I'm not getting that. For, for, no, for, I know. For a three-page but... Ram V story. Yeah. <laughs> um, lots of names on that one for an 80-page. So, well, yeah. How many comics did Matt get Justice League for, for the 10 pages of Ram V at the back? <laughs> Too many is the answer. <laughs> um... All right, so that's what's coming next week. Uh, last month, Superman Son of Kal-El was actually on this week, so it's actually kind of nice that they, they get pushed a week this mm-hmm. month, just because next week needed it more in terms of just, you know, balance. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so that's what's coming uh, next week. So I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers of Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Born Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. They are our higher, one of our higher tiers over at patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as a dollar per month and help keep all the content coming. At the $5 tier in particular, you get uh, the show whenever it's ready on the Saturday night. Uh, don't have to wait till the, the, the Sunday release time. So if that's of interest to you, you can go and have a look and uh, check it out. Uh, you can also support us for free by simply liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications on YouTube, or rating the podcast five stars with a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. If they have a rating system, then rate us the, the top amount, the full 
five stars, ten out of ten, mm-hmm. A plus, whatever the system is. Just, just slide all the way to the right, basically, is what I'm saying. Would be very yes. helpful. Yes, that's what you do. Uh, there you go. Uh, man, this is a shorter episode. I mean, it's not that short mm-hmm. episode, but it's it's. We we had a couple there which were very long, <laughs> so that's feels short. I'm surprised given how much this nonsense is... we spoke at the start. Yeah, this this is the perfect length, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, we'll probably be similar next week. Is this week's week's three and four that you're going to feel the? Uh... Which, I may still be on at least one of those without <laughs> going back to work. We'll see. Mm. He'll be homeless, but he'll be on. <laughs> well, no, I, I see. I'm trying to get them just just give me a couple of days on the first week's back just so i can you know get you said i'll use up a couple of my holiday days to make up for my pay that i'm missing because i got some carried over from last year anyway because i was going to use them in december and then i, I was off anyway <laughs> so um if they'll let me i'll take the weekend because i don't want to go back on you know first day back on a weekend Mark's going to love him. He, he's off f- with an injury for like two months, and then comes back and goes, "I'm going to take my holiday." <laughs> they, they expire if I don't use them. Yeah. By, you know, by like mid March, so I'm going to use them. <laughs> uh, what you need to do is just just phrase it this way: "I'm not quite ready to come back. I will be soon, but I was thinking I could use up the last of my holiday for this last week injury." Well, this is what I'm doing. I said, look, yeah. look, just like ease me back into it. Instead of giving me five days, just give me like two days and use three days holiday. You know, you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, you, know, to, uh-huh. to, you know, give me a nice couple of easy weeks to ease myself back into it. See, see, you know, make sure that I can do the job. He's going to walk in the front door and I'm going to be like, hey, this big heavy object, lift it. <laughs> oh, there is at least one manager who will do that. And I will be like, no. <laughs> this this is a three man job. You're lifting it on your own upstairs. <laughs> you laugh, but they've tried to ask us to do stuff like that before. <laughs> Don't surprise me, I suppose. Uh, so yes, well, Matt is just glued to his phone at this point. Mm-hmm. The epitome of professionalism. I know. It's just, just shocking. They were literally just saying goodbye and whatnot. Well, um, y- y'all were talking about McDonald's, and I was getting hungry, so I had to distract myself. <laughs> That is that is the show, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. It has been a well, I don't want to say pleasure. It's a bit, maybe a bit much, but strong. It's been a tolerable. It's been, a t- it's been day. an experience. <laughs> it's been a, t- a tolerable day. Uh, so thank you very much Ish. for joining us. So <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.